All right, everybody, bring it in. We are back. The read option is back after a hiatus of sorts. Uh, it's been almost a month since we put out a podcast. We gave no warning. We gave no communication. But a lot has gone on. As loyal listeners know, we had a wedding in my family and uh, that Scotty and Vito were both out as well. There's just been a lot happening and we wanted to start getting ready for football season. And so we took a little bit of a break. We wanted to make sure we had our schedule set for the football season. We wanted to make sure we knew what we were doing, that we'd be able to put stuff out consistently as well as just kind of give ourselves a little vacation here. And so apologies for not making that clear, but we are back. We will be every Tuesday morning, every Friday morning. You will have a read option podcast sitting there on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, on Google podcasts, on whatever random obscure podcast website that or app that you use the read option will be there every Tuesday and Friday morning. And so we are, we're thrilled to be back. And you're probably noticing this thing, Jeff, you're saying we a lot. Are you doing this by yourself or are the boys there? And to answer your question, the boys are here. Scotty, Vito, welcome. It's football season. Preseason football is underway. And we are about to tackle our NFL preseason season preview, whatever you want to call it, this week, NFC tonight, AFC tomorrow, uh, on Thursday which you'll hear on Friday. Boys, how are you? Man, how f- awesome is it to be getting ready for football? Like, this is everything. Uh, this is what. This is why we all started podcasting together, and I cannot wait to get into this. I don't know about you, but everything, no matter what was going on, when I turned on football on Saturday and Sunday, just watching preseason, I was so captivated guys. I gambled on almost every game. I got to say I was glued to the TV. It was so fun just to watch football again and see players that were just drafted or different coaches and how their like defenses actually look. It was so fun. Scotty, how about you? How are you? Boys are back in town. Uh, I'm stoked for football, although I'm doing a lot of planning, planning for our fantasy league. So was a little distracted. Uh, Watched the first uh, series of Cam Newton and the Patriots taking on the Washington football team um, on Thursday night. And other than that, I didn't see anything except that insane Trey Lance pass uh, on Twitter, <laughs> really, that uh, that he had. It was an 80-yard rope. So uh, looking forward to seeing more of that from Trey Lance. But, uh, yeah, just happy football's back. A lot of planning, though, for me. A lot of planning. It's a, it's a busy time. And, you know, all of our life stuff has kind of gotten under control. The wedding is coming gone. Scotty's moved into his new house and they're still doing stuff. But the main thing right now, yes, getting ready for fantasy football. But Vito, I'll have to say, I've never once worried about you and gambling. But the fact that you're gambling on preseason NFL football, that's 1-800-GAMBLER. I know we're not sponsored, but I mean, I might just need to send you the number there. I have We have the content. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's next gambling? little league world hey. series i mean what are you doing <laughs> I, i'm up a couple hundred on the football season already boys so i need some people to jump <laughs> on the bandwagon we're but gonna have to give out preseason football is so unpredictable like you don't know how long guys are playing you don't know who is gonna be who's even oh, gonna Vito be does. available i mean even if you follow it's not until kickoff usually that you really know who's there and who's not it's, exactly i mean you if you get to... lucky it's great but it is pure luck i mean no Vito knows I'm saying that right now they released who was playing a little bit earlier. You can make the decisions. You're like, we got the starters for two to three series, apparently versus none. I'll take that chance. How about the Broncos? Like we'll get into all the teams, but like, 
if you didn't watch anything, the Broncos looked absolutely elite. We had a safety, a defensive defense. pick six by Patrick Sertan, PS2. Uh, we, we had a KJ Hamler beast 80 yard touchdown. The offense looked elite. It, I just can't wait. Had to give my Broncos plug there, but I've obviously bet on them, but we were starting all the starters and I was like, we're, we're going to come out. Huh? Yeah. And, and also there was no Kirk cousins. I, I don't I'm no Dalvin cook. I don't think Justin Jefferson is really playing for the Vikings either. So, I mean, that was a shellacking, but yeah. the thing with preseason football and don't get me wrong, like I buy into it just as much as anybody. Like I've been, everything out of Eagles camp has been, like today, they had a, a scrimmage, in-practice scrimmage against the Patriots, and Jalen Hurts went 16 of 17 for two touchdowns in 11 on 11 against Bill Belichick. Now that, on its surface value as a fan, you go like, oh man, like dude, maybe Jalen Hurts figured it out. But I remember having a conversation with Danny Cannell one time about preseason football, and he was working to make the Giants. Uh, he was a couple years into the league, and he was like kind of on the fringe of not being in the league anymore. And he had a preseason game where he threw for like four touchdowns. And he was like, and all of a sudden the New York media started buzzing like crazy. Like, oh, is Canel going to be the guy? And Canel ended up being the starter out of camp that season. Didn't finish the season as a starter, but he was the starter for that season. And he said, he was like, it was a joke that the media cared at all. He was like, because the defenses you play in the preseason are so basic. He was like, every throw was so easy and so simple because the coverages, the scheme, the way they, you know, kind of protect certain schemes and the way that they, kind of mask their defenses they just don't do it they just show you all right this is what we're playing we just want to see how guys kind of naturally flow in a very basic defense and they also don't want to give anything away so yeah jalen hurts goes 16 of 17 against the patriots in practice today bill belichick isn't showing shit in that practice so it's this weird like pull and push and pull when you're a fan because you want to get really excited and you see quez Watkins burst a 70 yard touchdown run but at the same time, you're like, yeah, but it's also preseason. And like, I don't want to put too many chickens in the basket, right? Until those eggs end up getting hatched. But nonetheless, preseason football is the best. Trey Lance's throw was amazing. The Broncos looked good. The Eagles even looked really good uh, when the starters were in. So we, it's just a little nibble, right? It's like going to mm-hmm. a tapas restaurant. You're just getting a little, little taste. You're just sampling a little this, a little that. And the main course, the regular season, it's just three weeks away, guys. We're, we're under a month. I believe it's 24 days, 23 days away from, from the Thursday night kickoff between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Uh, and today, we are going to be giving our preview for the NFL season. We're going to go through every team in the NFC tonight, today, while you're listening to this. And on, on Friday, you will hear us go through the AFC team. So with that, we're going to start with Scotty's NFC West. Now, when you think about the NFC West, this probably is the most top-to-bottom, competitive, talented uh, a division in, in all of the NFC. I, I think there's a legitimate chance, especially now with the extra playoff team, that we see three NFC West teams make the postseason. There'll be a little bit of cannibalization amongst each other, but all in all, it's going to be great. And the team that I think most people are excited about, guys, is the Los Angeles Rams. So that's where we're starting today. And the way we're going to do this is for every team that comes up, I've come up with what is the number one burning question for this team? What is the question that's going to define this team's season? All of this barring injuries, because injuries will happen and will fuck a lot of this up. So number one, is this the year that Matthew Stafford becomes the guy that we've always thought he is? Because for years in Detroit, we've always said the talent's there. Every wide receiver he's played with, we saw Calvin Johnson get into the Hall of Fame. Everyone loves this guy. We're amazed by his toughness and his talent. But playing in Detroit is a tough 
task. And now he's got Sean McVay. He's got some weapons. He's got some guys around him. Is this the year that he proves what we've been saying about him for the last decade? 100%. That he uh, 100% is going to crush it. I think we've been waiting to see him in a great offense. Um, I mean, he's been in some already. Like he, everyone forgets how often he throws over 4,000 yards or how long he did that and hit the strength of his arm. I think under this system, he's going to flourish. And with such a great defense, he's going to really, I think, take this team into the playoffs deep. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is the the complexity of that offense. I mean, in Detroit, he was just dropping back into the into the pocket, and he had Megatron or, or Marvin Jones or somebody open. Um, but he's, to his credit, very good at making those reads in the pocket and knowing when to get rid of the ball. Um, so, I, I, like I said, the only thing I'm worried about is the complexity. A lot of stuff happening in the backfield in that in that offense of Sean McVay. So. Um, <clears throat> You know, if he can if he can fine tune a little bit of that, uh, you know, you know that that offense, then he's he's ready to rip. I, I really think that this team could be dangerous. Um, they've already had a big injury though um, in that backfield, uh, and I don't think that's going to hurt Stafford too much. I think that's going to, you know, um, be a bit of a detriment not having Cam Akers out of the backfield to throw to, but. Um, but Stafford's ready to go, man. He's got he's got weapons galore, and yeah. that's that's all. That's if what you he, want. If he gets caught up to speed in the offense, which I think, you know, and they're not overly complicated offenses he's ran in, in Detroit over the last you know decade, but you know, like you said, it's a little bit different. The one thing is, is McVeigh does make it easy on the quarterback to make decisions, right? We've we've seen Jared Goff put up monster numbers in the same offense, and frankly, talking about difference in in talent and just quarterbacking as a whole. I mean, Matthew Stafford is definitely a cut above uh, Jared Goff. I don't think there's any sort of debate about that. We saw what the trade package was. We saw Detroit having to send uh, or the Rams having to send first round picks just to even get Matthew Stafford. In addition to also giving up Jared Goff, my biggest concern for, I guess, around Stafford is more or less like, are the expectations too high? Like what is a, what's realistic? Because I think everyone kind of feels the same way you do, Vito. And frankly, I, there's a big part of me that feels that way too. But do we have unrealistic expectations for a guy like Matthew Stafford, who has been a pro bowler, who has been one of the top five, ten quarterbacks in the NFL during certain stretches of his career? Are our expectations too high because of what we've seen from McVay and what he's done with a far less talented quarterback? And so being somewhat realistic and keeping that in mind. Now, the other thing which you touched on, Scotty, and these are just some of the other notes that I have around them is this is a team that with all of their starters, they're starting 22, arguably one of the best rosters in football, but they have no depth and they're reliant on 40 year old Andrew Whitworth to be left tackle and to stay healthy for an entire season, which Andrew Whitworth is, is a hall of famer. I mean, he's, a, he's an unbelievable player has had an unbelievable career, but we've seen how easily one injury can get deterred. And I think we might've seen a, even a little bit of foreshadowing with cam makers going down is the lack of depth. The next is that, is that the number one thing that's going to prevent them from going to that next level? Yeah. Look, it's what happened when Gurley got hurt, right? Their, their running game was non-existent without Todd Gurley. Um, I, I think cam Akers is a more dynamic runner and running back than Todd Gurley. Uh, certainly, I mean, look at the, the guys that, that they got coming out of the backfield on the wide side. They got Robert Woods, um, 
got a couple of uh, of other receivers that that run a little of those jet fakes um power as jet sweeps yeah. cooper cup yeah Co- which by the way uh for fantasy owners watch out talk about mid-round value um but i i think cooper cup is still a, a mid to a, a great receiver um another weapon for stafford to throw to and he seems kind of like a like a marvin jones type where where he's like just go deep i'll get you the ball says stafford so mm. um not worried about that the running game though is a bit of a question mark because a lot of the the a lot of the problems in detroit were that they never did have a running game and it never opened up a lot of the the passing game for uh for uh for stafford and it was a, a lot of a lot of seasons where he went into fourth quarter in a lot of games and he was bringing his team back on the second to last third to last uh, drives and, and the last drive just to get them back in, into the ball game or have a shot at winning the game. A lot like Philip Rivers, honestly. Um, but but that the lack of running game is it could be a detriment. I think uh, a real big detriment. And the health already is has proved to be a problem. Um, yeah. The depth on 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 the, the wide receiver side, I'm a little bit worried about, um, but primarily those guys stay healthy. Um, but that running game uh, could be, could be a killer. It's, it's important to note that you still have Daryl Henderson, but they lost Malcolm Brown this off season. He's now in Miami. So uh, who after that it's Jake Funk, uh, Raymond Callis, Xavier oh, Jones, feel like funking it up. You know, there's just not a whole lot of whole lot of depth there. The other the other interesting point here with this team is they lost Brandon Staley, who was their you know young, brilliant defensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Chargers. Vito, they brought in Raheem Morris, very well respected, very very good defensive coordinator. Do you have any concerns about this team on the defensive end? Yes, they still have Aaron Donald, they still have Jalen Ramsey, but does losing someone like Brandon Staley, who's kind of the McVeigh of defense, is that going to be something that worries you about what was the best defense in football last year? No, because that's the most talented defense as well. And it's not often, I think those, well, it's probably often those two things happen, but I think especially with great defenses, when those two things align, it's a home run. It's like when Peyton had the Broncos offense and we cycled through like three coordinators and they all got head coaching jobs right after it's going to happen here too. This defense is going to turn out a couple head coaches in the next four or five years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say, you know, they brought back Leonard Floyd. They lost John Johnson, who was arguably one of the best safeties in football last year. But when you have Jalen Ramsey and uh, as the best, they have arguably two out of the best three defensive players in the NFL. I think they have the two best. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, they're they're right up there. If, if not the two best, they're top three, top five guys. So mm-hmm. that alone is going to help you. Uh, and it's also going to help everyone else around you. You know, you're taking Both 99s and Madden, by the way. And nice. How many defensively have had 299 overall in Madden's? I don't think that's ever happened before. Wow. There's only five 99s. Two of them are Mahomes, Kelsey, two of them are Ramsey and Aaron Donald. It's great. Devontae Adams, which is funny. But anyway, um, that defense is going to keep you in a lot of ball games in the first six. I'm yeah. looking up and down the schedule. They got Chicago, they're at Indianapolis, they got Tampa Bay at home, Arizona at home, and at Seattle. That defense is going to keep you in a lot of games against a uh, what I think will probably be three of those teams that are four of those teams that are really slinging the ball. Um, yeah. So it's a great, it's a great point. And, and you're right. I think as long as again, this is all barring injury, right? So Aaron Donald gets hurt. Jalen Ramsey tears an ACL. I mean, Stafford blows something in his elbow. You know what I mean? Like there's a million things that can happen that we just won't know, but if they stay healthy, they should be good. I have the Rams going 13 and four. 
Very oh, weird, wow. by the way, doing this and having yeah. to adjust to the 17. <laughs> that was games. so weird to hear. That was so weird to four. hear out loud. Oh my doesn't god, doesn't feel normal. It, it no. doesn't does not feel right. Uh, but what a that's, time to be alive. That's what I have. Would you guys? It, I said it there. You guys give what we'll do for each of these. I'll give the my my thing. You guys tell me over or under. So 13 and four over or under. Just right, Vito. You go first. Um, I'm gonna go under. Under. And Scotty. Yeah, I'm going. That schedule's tough. They got Tampa Bay. They got to play Arizona twice, Seattle twice, San Francisco twice. And they've got to play at Lambeau in no, late November. And they also have to play at Baltimore. I'm going under. I got them at 11 and 7. All right. Very interesting. By the way, I just want the, the listeners to note that Scotty is wearing his glasses down at the very end of his nose. As if yeah, he like Mike Zimmer. <laughs> literally, he looks like my he looks like my how my grandfather used to do. He's doing the thing where you kind of like <laughs> shoot your shoot your jaw forward and like tilt your head back just so you can read. Just, what am I? What am I looking at here? Uh, all right, so that's the Rams. We're gonna move on to the next most interesting team. That's how I have them ranked. Not necessarily best to worst, just teams I find the most interesting. And I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals here, uh, second most interesting team in the NFC West. Uh, number one. And again, big overarching question here. Is this going to be the year where Kyler, and again, like a lot of these questions will be around the quarterback, but it just has to be. But is this the year where Kyler Murray cements himself as like worthy of the number one overall pick, legitimate top five scoring threat, or does his size catch up to him? And and that's kind of the part here because we saw him get banged up towards the end of last season. We've seen him have some arm issues in the past. He's not a big guy. It's all been very well documented, but is this the year where he kind of proves that narrative wrong? That's like, no, he is here. He's here to stay, not just a a flash in the frying pan. I think so. And I think the reason that you can see the team think so is that they're investing a lot in the defense. They've really, I mean, don't get me wrong. They've had some missions. They got James Conner and AJ Green for offense, which is kind of wild. I think James Conner is pretty solid to pick up, but um, I think they're trusting him to run that offense completely and score. And they invested a lot on the defensive side. They got Malcolm Butler, JJ Watt. Like, I think they're saying he has it. Like, he's going to make the steps he needs to make, especially with this team. We're going to worry about the other side. So, when a front office believes in your player that much, they're not even going to help him out anymore. I think that means that, like, yeah, they, they believe in him. I believe in him. I think this is the time he's going to like be durable as that little guy. Yeah. I, I don't see it. I, I see him being like a, a great fantasy contributor, um, you know, on, in his own right. I don't see it. Look at these defenses he has to play. Week one, he's at Tennessee. Talk about upgrading your defense. Um, they've got LA twice. They've got the Niners twice who are back healthy. They got a, they're at Cleveland, Green Bay, uh, Indianapolis is going to be a mid to good defense. Uh, Dallas has upgraded a whole lot. I I don't see it. I I don't see him breaking out this year simply because of the schedule. Um, Not that, not to say he doesn't have the talent to he's got, he's proven that Um, if there's a next step to take, he got a really, a really bad hand um, in the schedule to, to take it. Yeah. I, I, I'm very torn with him because uh, he's electric, but the durability thing is, is the biggest question. That's why I kind of frame frame the question in that light, because when he's healthy, when he's on the field and everything we've seen out of him, he's unbelievable. I mean, the way he can turn corners, the, the small leg, the way oh, he yeah. hides in pockets, the way he and is on top of it, his arm. Uh, and then you also look at that wide receiver room is ridiculous. Yeah. 
right? Just running through the names. You have D-Hop, Larry Fitzgerald, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, uh, Andy Isabella, and the, the new guy who I'm most excited about is Rondale Moore. And we saw a, a healthy ver- – we saw a lot of – a healthy serving of Rondale Moore in the preseason game. I think he had like 14 touches uh, in the game between handoffs, end arounds, and also like catching passes on bubble screens. And, and there's a lot of playmakers on this team. In addition to we're going to see Chase Edmonds kind of taking more of a premier role uh, in this backfield. So I'm not, I'm not saying I don't buy that Kyler Murray will be good. I'm saying I, I don't buy that he's going to stay durably healthy throughout the entire season. And I think that's what's going to ultimately put a cap on how far we see Arizona go as a football team. Uh, the, the defense for them is the thing that I'm actually most intrigued about, though, because we've seen the offense. We've seen Cliff Kingsbury. We've seen we know the weapons that are there. They invested a ton into the offensive line, arguably the, the most improved offensive line room in all of uh, the NFL this year. Uh, you know, they got, they yeah, Rodney Hudson is is the center that they traded up. traded for Rodney Hudson. Uh, they Justin Pugh, Brian Winters, uh, DJ Humphreys, their left tackle had a career year last year. And Kelvin Beecham, who's the right tackle uh, played. He's been in the league a while, but had his best season in a while last year. So if that offensive line protects him, which you, you have to. The offense is going to be good, but you look at the defense. They go out and get J.J. Watt, right? That's the big splash signing Chandler Jones requested a trade as Schefter reported a few weeks ago. Doesn't seem like he's going to get moved. So you're going to have JJ Watt probably going to have Chandler Jones. And then I love what they're doing and what they've done the last two drafts. My favorite defensive player in the last two drafts were Isaiah Simmons uh, two drafts ago, and then Zayvon Collins this year. And both of them are crazy athletic, crazy versatile defensive players who you can drop into coverage you can use as edge rushers and you can use as just straight up linebackers and i think that versatility almost like in the nba where we see a lot of these Giannis types who are like seven feet tall but have handle and can take it to the lane these hybrid (laughs) players they're they are going to be the future of the defense cam chancellor right is a kind of a great example of like that model and i think Seeing these pieces fit together, I just hated how they used Isaiah Simmons last year. So, uh, but to both of you guys, this defense—they lost Patrick Peterson, still got Buda Baker in the back in the in the back end. What are you most excited about to see between the D line and those linebackers? Where are you feeling with the Arizona Cardinals defense? I'm a big linebackers guy. I love I love your point, Jeff, about creating hybrid players. And not to uh, toot my college horn, but we see this a lot at Penn State, where they take a lot of those big guys, put them out on the on the outside, put, put them in the sand, or the uh, and and make them play the ball in coverage, and then they're able to also rush. And that's one of the upsides of Isaiah Thomas. Um, and and I, I think if, if they can exploit that and really use that to their advantage, as they should have last year, um, particularly with guys like J.J. Watt and if Chandler Jones stays, those two guys up front, uh, that could be a nasty, nasty scheme right there. I think for me, it's it's I, I got to take option C, and I'm going to go with the secondary because of a, a different reason. I think those two are going to be really exciting in the front seven is going to be elite um, or have elite players in it. So you can always make up for that. But on the backside, you have Buda Baker, who's awesome. One of the best safeties one of the most fun safeties to watch. Reminds me like Bob Sanders a little bit, that kind of like style. Mm, um, I like but that. they, they picked up six defensive backs this, this season or then this off season, one of them being Malcolm Butler, who uh, like I'm a huge fan of, um, but Super five other defensive backs. 
Yeah. So now it's like, okay, you're, you're revamping that entire room. So now like, how does your team and a secondary who have to communicate so well in like, if there was a mistake, it's a touchdown. Like, how are they going to play with so many new guys, but you have Buda Baker. So I'm excited to see that dynamic in the secondary. And especially in that division too. Like that's the thing is yeah. like, as we're talking about this, this division right now, we have to remember just the offenses that are going to be here, the quarterbacks that you're facing, right? Like, you know, we're going to be facing Matthew Stafford. You're going to be facing Russell Wilson. And who's to say what comes out of, you know, Jimmy G versus Trey Lance. But I like Malcolm. I to say, I'll tell you right now. We'll get there in a minute, Scotty. Uh, I like Malcolm Butler. <laughs> I like Robert Alford. I like Byron Murphy. All three have a chance to be good. And really, you just need two of them to be decent. Like you said, they signed five defensive backs. And the back half, you know, the, your protection of the top in that safety position with a guy like Buda Baker is going to help a lot. But look at the wide receivers that they're facing. You're, you're facing Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You're facing Brandon Ayuk and, and uh, Debo Samuel. And you're facing the scariest of all, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So that's a great point, uh, Vito, because that back end has to be taken care of. And I, I love the mentality of if we get enough pressure, it may not matter. And you have these hybrid guys who can cover tight ends. But this isn't a division that's, with the exception of, of uh, Kittle, this isn't a, a division where you're too worried about, oh, am I going to get burnt by a tight end from the Rams or from you know Seattle? But you are playing George Kittle twice a year. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I have them going 11 and 6. I am bullish on the Cardinals. I think the defense is going to be really good. And I think the offense is going to score points, even if Kyler does get kind of banged up in the process. Over under 11 and 6 as the record. Or 11 wins, under. I guess. Going under? Under. Just slightly, though. I got them at 10 and 7. That's a tough schedule, man. But they have the talent to overcome it. So I'll, I'll yeah. stick at 10 and 7, but still under. I'm going to take that 11 and 6 dead on. And uh, I like that. So, and the last little burning question here is this is kind of a make or break season for Cliff Kingsbury. In the modern NFL, head coaches typically don't get more than, if it's like a borderline head coach, you typically don't get more than three years to prove it. This is year number three for Cliff Kingsbury. Need to see what he can do. Need to see if that ended up being the right hire. All right, Scotty, get ready. Team number three in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. Sticking with the quarterback theme for our number one burning question. When do we see Trey Lance? What week right now? Both of you guys give me what week do you think is the week we see Trey Lance take over as the starter in San Francisco? Scott, when's their bye week? Their bye week is week six, so yeah, I'm with you. I say week seven. Yep, (laughs) exactly. It's early enough to where they're just gonna be like, "Fuck it, let's put him in." And (laughs) and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Beyond besides the bye week, um, their their first five games before the bye week at Detroit, at Philly, Green Bay, Seattle, and at Arizona. If you don't come out above five hundred, there, then it it has to be Trey Lance. It has to be. and even if you are above 500, I think then it's a, then it's a game by game for Jimmy G. I, I don't, I don't see how you can take that talent unless Jimmy G brings us to a, a 14 and three season, which I don't think is going to happen, but um, I, I think it's after the bye week regardless. Well, he brought you to a Super Bowl, but you don't like to acknowledge that that actually happened. No, um, so once. you both, you <clears throat> both are saying the week after the bye week, week seven. Yeah. yeah, against the Colts. What do you think? On I think it's primetime NBC Sunday night football. I think it's before then. 
I, I think really? it's, I think by week three, because I think throw them into the fire. <laughs> I think we're well. I mean, look, that's well, how that's how quarterbacks learn, man. Like every every former NFL quarterback I've talked to, every, and granted, it's, it's just not a huge amount, but like I've been lucky enough to get to talk to guys who have been in the, that kind of position. I've listened to enough of these guys over the years talk about it, and more often than not, they say get them in early. Like there's only so much you can do to get acclimated to the speed of the NFL by watching film. There's only so much you can do in learning and going up to a whiteboard and reciting plays like that stuff that, you know, Trey Lance was doing before he even got drafted. That's a huge reason why San Francisco traded the assets they did to go up and get him because they loved the intelligence and how quickly he picked up the game. And with his natural skill set, it's hard for me to think you're not going to put this guy on the field at some point. It reminds me a lot of, and this is not Eagles homerism. It's just a very similar uh, situation to Carson Wentz. Minnesota had, uh, I forget who their quarterback was, but it was Teddy Bridgewater. When Teddy Bridgewater had that horrible ACL injury, they didn't have a quarterback. They needed somebody. They traded for Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford and Jimmy G are basically the same quarterback. They trade for Sam Bradford in week four of the preseason and Carson Wentz ends up starting week one. I'm not saying that that exact thing's going to happen because an injury would have to happen, but I don't think, I mean, you, you see it with John Lynch coming out and gassing up Jimmy G all preseason. This is the best we've ever seen him look. This is the best he's been since he's been here. Like all of this positive stuff, he's building up his trade value. He's, he's publicly telling people that this is how good Jimmy G is right now. And there will be a team who loses a quarterback at some point or thinks, what? you know what, maybe our roster is better than we thought. Let's get rid of him. And I think they're going to roll the dice with Trey Lance. And speaking of Carson Wentz, I'm surprised the Colts haven't made a, a move to try to get Jimmy G with Carson Wentz hurt, although he is supposed to come back week one, apparently. Good yeah, luck they're, with that, they're saying within the first, which for Eagles fans is a godsend. I need that guy to play 75% of games this year. But I'll tell you what, our, our first game is Detroit. I, just go for it, man. Just do it. I'm with you now, Jeff. I'll take I, it back. Week one. Let's go. I just, I just think give the kid reps, get him in there, get this QB controversy, this two-system quarterback nonsense that's been leaking around. Get it yeah. out. By week three, he should be in there. Give him a full 14 weeks to go in and and, and play the position at the NFL level. And, and part of yeah. that factors into my win-loss record for them, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, the other burning questions, though, around this team is – I'm not sure I love the rest of the roster. I, I, I'm really not. Like Nick Bosa coming back off of a, of, a, of a knee injury is scary and worrisome, but he's also arguably the most talented defensive end that we have in football right now, or at least one of them. Uh, the secondary is a huge concern for them. I don't. I, I like their their linebacking core. They obviously have one legitimate like Pro Bowl caliber uh, linebacker there. But yeah, thank you, Fred Warner. But the rest of the defensive line outside of Nick Bosa, I don't love. And you look on the offensive side of the ball, you lose a couple of running backs. You're going to be trusting, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. And Trey yes, they, Sermon, dude. They got Trey Sermon, but Trey Sermon doesn't mm -hmm. fit with what Shanahan likes to do. And I like Brandon Ayuk a lot. I don't love him the way that other people do. And I, I like Debo Samuel a lot, but I don't. I, they're two likes for me. They're two Bs, two B pluses you know, at wide receiver. I just don't know if the roster surrounding them is going to be enough to compete at a high level. Am I completely off in saying this, Scott? You know them better than me. Unbiased here, unfan, <laughs> take the rose-colored glasses off. Where do you see this team week 14, week 15? Are they fighting for a playoff spot or are they looking towards next year? I actually think we're winning the division. Unbiased. No, it's no joke. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to be biased. I really do. 
Uh, I think the defense is better than you think. Uh, the depth on defensive line is a bit of an issue. Uh, the depth on offensive line is a bit of an issue. Uh, one of the guys who I need to have a big bounce back here is, uh, is uh, none other than, um, than Warrington PA's own Mike McGlinchey. Um, so, yeah, he needs to have a big bounce back campaign. The running back room, not concerned about it all. Depth for days. Uh, a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. Trey Sermon's going to ground and pound. He's like a Frank Gore, but better. Um, take that. Wow. And yeah, guys wow. like third all time in rushing. And you're yeah. saying Trey Sermon's better. Yeah, how about better? that? Trey wow. Sermon's a better, better version of Frank Gore. I mean, if Raheem uh, Mostert stays healthy, we, we've seen Raheem Mostert be an absolute like, yeah. stud. So, like, I'm not oh, overly yeah. worried about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the secondary's better than you think. We did a lot of shoring up there with Emmanuel Mosley, Akilah Weatherspoon, and Jason Barrett. Um, guys we needed to bring back. Unfortunately, the Richard Sherman stuff is a bit of a, a conundrum. I hope he's okay. Um, but, you know, that secondary is better than a lot of people think. Uh, the way they played down the stretch at the end of last year, even as banged up as they were, or the rest of the defense was, is phenomenal. Um, I, I, I like them. I, I like the defense better than I think a lot of people uh, do, including you, Jeff. And that schedule, again, is is favorable. Mm. The first six, as I said, Detroit, at Philly, Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona. Um, <clears throat> Excited it, for that Philly matchup. Yeah, we're going to win. Don't worry. Uh, it's fine. We're, we're going to be six. And, uh, watch, Trey Lance is going to is going to beat you guys pretty good. Uh, don't you worry. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited um, to see this team. I'm excited to see um, some of the youth. I think uh, those wide receivers too, by the way, once Trey Lance comes in, I think they're going to be more explosive than, uh, than they've looked with Jimmy G because Jimmy G's dropping back and trying to get them on a route. Uh, Trey Lance is a guy who's we've seen in the, in the one game in preseason, but even in, at his time in at North Dakota state is a guy who can get his receivers open. He yeah. makes his receivers open. And it looks a lot like in some of those passes, uh, it looked a lot like uh, Mahomes, where he he's running through the pocket and directing traffic, getting his receivers there. So that's yeah. the new, that's the new I, thing. Everyone wants to compare it to Mahomes. Um, I, I don't know who don't... they have after three. Yeah. Vito, go, go ahead. Give me, I want to know your thoughts. I was the only thing I was going to add is just, they have two wide receivers and then they have George Kittle, which is legitimate, but they have two wide receivers and a, a very steep drop off after that Vito, Where do you see San Francisco week 14? Are they fighting for the playoffs or are they looking to next year? They're definitely looking to next year. I'm sorry, Scott. I, I don't think, I, I think this is not going to be a great year for him because you look at Trey Lance. Listen, I think he's going to start and I think he's going to play well, but they're in a very tough division. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that schedule starting off. If that's easy. I think it's going to be some tough games. I think that like what I'm interested to see um, again is can the line, can they stay healthy? I actually do think you have a pretty deep team, uh, especially like some younger guys, but I also, what I'm just like not seeing is either one of your quarterbacks this year being like a top, like half of the NFL quarterback or even like probably top two thirds. And maybe Jimmy G can, but I think just coming in so young, like, yeah, we saw Herbert do it, but most guys throw as many picks as they do touchdowns when they're rookies and that'll kill you. And that's how you lose games. I think it'll be good, but I just don't think it'll, it'll happen um, this year. Yeah. I, I think we'll get the hope that Trey Lance will be really good. 
You know what I mean? I like, agree. I, yeah. Like, I, like, it's like, I don't think they'll win enough games this year. I don't think it'll be, I, I mean, honestly, Justin Herbert, like they didn't win a ton of games last year, but we knew he was going to be good. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a similar trajectory. I do think the exactly. Niners roster is better than the Chargers roster last year. My, my concerns overall for this, for the, for the Niners is just, I, I, I don't love the offensive line. I trust Kyle Shanahan, but they got to figure out what's going to happen to quarterback first. And, and it's interesting you say that too, Vito, because like Scotty, you see the first six games being easy. Vito, you seeing as maybe not as hard or not, not as easy. Easy. I easier, said, winnable. Yeah. But what's funny is one <laughs> yeah. of my favorite things about football is at the end of the season, every year we do, we always do this thing where we look back to weeks one through three, one through four. And we look at the, the teams that we played and we go, Oh man, like, that game, that, that schedule didn't look as easy as we thought it was going to be, you know, and, and it, it could be easier than we thought. Detroit and Philly could easily both be teams picking in the top 10 next year. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think the Eagles could, and, and we'll get to them in a little bit, but I do think the Eagles could be a little bit competitive this year at, at the same time, or at least frisky, you know? So it's trying to go back and look at that from my um, revisionist history standpoint is always fascinating to me. I have the San Francisco 49ers going seven and 10. <laughs> I, think that, I think they have a, I think they have a pretty good year. I think we see enough out of uh, Trey Lance that make a, that make us go this, he is the guy, he is the guy moving forward, but I, I don't think the roster top to bottom is going to be enough to compete in this division. When you're going up against a team, two teams that I think have a chance to legitimately make a run in the postseason. So over under Scotty, I know you're taking the over there uh, Vito over under seven and 10. I'm going to go over by one. I'm going to go eight, eight and nine. nine. And where do you have them? I'm on, the, I'm on the over 12 and five wins gets you the playoffs. If not wins you the division 12 and five, the eternal optimist. That is Scotty Miller. I love you, man. Keep that, keep that going. Um, all right. Last team here in the NFC West, we have oh, Seattle God. Seahawks. All right. So just like I said before, Scotty, take the rose colored glasses off and you do the same thing here. All right. This might be my favorite burning question that I came up with for the whole thing. If this season ends with a first round exit or worse for Seattle, is this the last Pete Carroll or and or Russell Wilson season that we see in Seattle? So if they go first round playoff exit or worse, is this the last year we see Russ, Pete Carroll and or both or none? I, I think no. it's Pete Carroll. I think, think no, nah, I'm going they both stay. They both stay. It's two. They're two great of players and coach like combination. One's defense, one's offense. It's not like they're going to disagree on shit. You know, like I feel like that's a pretty good mix. I would keep it together. So then, what held that offense back when Russ was cooking and they were in the first quarter of the season last season, and they were going off on that yeah. offense, and they have an arguably even better offense this year. What makes them not? play as well down the back half of the season because the play calling decided to go from from letting Russ sling the ball all over the place to hey we got to run the ball and uh and establish the uh the passing game that way I don't know see in my opinion they were running the ball good early in the season and that's why a lot of good things happened I think that the, the way that teams played them is totally affected uh, the rest of that season, and, and they didn't have a run game towards the end, and they couldn't get one going. And I think that killed them. Yeah, like, he had to do everything himself. 
And I, yeah. and I would add to that veto or maybe rephrase it is they ran the ball efficiently in the first half of the season. Yes. Where, where Chris Carson was, was healthy and wasn't getting hurt and was able to sustain four to five yards of carry. They didn't have to run the ball ground and pound like they were, but as soon as they lost Chris Carson and the efficient runs went away, and they, they did change their they, offense. And, and so I think, I think it's a mixture of what both of you guys are saying. I think Pete Carroll got his fingerprints all over that offense with Brian Schottenheimer and, and that completely changed what they were doing. And now they have a new offensive coordinator in um, which, which I'm very curious to see what that ends up looking like for Seattle. Uh, Shane, Shane Waldron is his name, new offensive coordinator. Uh, I think they're going to try to let Russ cook, but it kind of goes into what my next question was going to be, which is can Russ cook for an entire season? Because we did see him do it for most of the season last year, but also I think everything needs to be perfect. They improved their offensive line, which is a massive part of this, but Dwayne Brown still has, has kind of been in and out of camp. So how reliable can this offensive line be? And how much can Russell Wilson carry the burden of this offense without having some sort of efficient at bare minimum running game? Cause they can't keep doing the ground to pound. And we saw Russell Wilson flirting with the idea of trying to force his way out of Seattle this year. We have teams like Philadelphia who have a lot of draft capital next year, even with or without Carson Wentz deciding to, you know, staying healthy and playing a full 70% of the games. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. That's why I love it so much because I get very similar vibes to Andy Reid at the end of his time with the Eagles, which is, yes, this has been good. It's worked for a long time, but when is it too much? When is mediocrity finishing in the first round? They haven't really been back to an NFC championship game in, in over five years. When is that going to become, all right, you know what? I mean, also Pete Carroll's old, man. Pete Carroll's in his 70s. So when does that be- start to kind of come into play here? And, and that's kind of the basis of where I look at this. What do you guys, I guess, like, I don't even know how to necessarily phrase it. It's just that's kind of like my own personal viewpoint on it because all the weapons are there offensively. So I guess what needs to happen this year to buy in the confidence that we're going to bring Russ back and we're going to bring Pete Carroll back. Like how I think far it's they, like what are the expectations kind of, is that what you're saying? Like, what? yeah. Because- I mean, what is the barometer of like, all right, you do this, we're going to run it back. Cause now we have hope. Cause that's the thing that I feel like they're missing is I feel like they don't have hope in Seattle to actually win a Super Bowl, despite the fact that they have Russell Wilson, who which yeah. should give you there's, all the hope in the world. They're sleepless in Seattle. It's uh, it's the resiliency <laughs> of the uh, the offensive line, I think, because um, <clears throat> that schedule is gnarly. Uh, in the in the first <clears throat> the first few weeks, you got Tennessee. Uh, you're at Minnesota, who's upgraded their defense as well. Uh, you got the Niners, the Rams, and the Cardinals, of course, twice. You're at Lambeau. You play the Saints, as, and uh, and um, and, and you're at Pittsburgh as well in the middle of the season. Uh, good luck. That's the toughest schedule in the division by far. Um, <clears throat> so if the offensive line can stay healthy and let Russ cook and put up points, uh, then they'll be okay. But if it's not, you can forget about it. I don't care how good that defense is. And it's mediocre at best. <clears throat> Vita, what's your, what's your barometer at right now for the Seahawks? I think – they have to, and they will make it at least like you're, you're, you're almost to your opening question, one round into the playoffs. And I think with this extra wild card, like that's an easier thing to do, but I think if they get in the top four, honestly, I would even say they need to make the NFC championship game. 
Like, I mm-hmm. think maybe without that, it's at least questioned. It's talked about. I don't know if they'll do it, but I think like that's the level that they should expect with an elite quarterback to at least have that potential. Yeah. No, I, I, I think they need to win to the division. I think they need to win the division. Otherwise, yeah. and then look, if they, if, if, they sneak in, if they sneak in as a wild card and win a playoff game or two, then I don't think we're worried about it. But as good as I think they are, I don't know if they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender or not. I think they're a threat. I think they're a team that can, if they were there in, in January, I don't think I would be shocked. But I, I think they need to win their division. They need to show that in a really hard division. I think they need to beat L.A., at least once, if not twice, uh, you know, uh, there, there's just a lot of questions with them. And I think with Pete Carroll's age and, and the uncertainty around it, you know, you're Vito, you're an engineer, right? Buildings are ground from the foundation up, right. Or, or buildings are built from the foundation foundation up. And I, right now it feels like that foundation is a little uncertain. And so that's kind of where my, my cause for concern goes. Uh, they still need to sign but, Jamal Adams to an extension. They invested yeah. a ton into that. Uh, they have Bobby Wagner. They have certain pieces on that D line. Uh, but we need to see a Seattle team this year. That is, that is a, a stranglehold in that division. And we haven't you, seen that. Yeah, in a you while. can't, you can't be splitting games against your division teams. Not when you're, you're out of conference and, and out of division opponents are the Colts, the Titans, uh, the the Steelers on the road, the Saints, and, and going to Lambeau in November. No way. Yeah. So yes or no, real quick, is Russell Wilson going to be wearing a Seattle Seahawks uniform next season? Vito. Yes. Scotty. Yes, I think so. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. I think I think Russ is gone after this year because I my and this will lead to to my win loss. I have them going ten and seven. I, I think they win double digit games, which doesn't mean as much with the extra game, but you know, ten and six like you know in the old model, ten and seven that can be nine and seven kind of in that that zone. I think they go ten and seven, and I think uh, I, I think we see the last of them. Where do you guys have them win losses over or under ten wins? I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna go with like twelve. Twelve um, and five. Yeah, I think they'll 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 go in and do well this season. I think listen, they had not only their starter injured last year at running back, their backup was injured for a while. They were on their third and fourth string guys. Like it, it was EJ Dallas. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like I, I think that and they 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 did sign that left guard uh gave We lost v, we back. lost Vito's oh, audio there. There we go. Uh but yeah, I think they're gonna have a pretty good season and, and go ahead and uh and win um I would say definitely 12, 12 games. Scotty, I'm under that schedule is way too hard and there's way too much pressure on them to succeed. I got them nine and eight. All right. Well, that is our NFC West preview. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to tackle the NFC South right after this. It's time to break down the NFC South defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, the New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons, and we were going to run through them all. And guys, we can't start with anybody else than Tom Terrific and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Unbelievable that he's still doing this. He's still as terrifying as he's ever been. He's more handsome than he's ever been. This motherfucker just keeps finding ways to ruin every male in America's life who's not a fan of his football team. So, and subway commercials. And subway. You're right. He's literally I mean, ruining subway commercials. Can, can I just say though, it feels like someone, it feels like he's meta. He's outside of us. It feels like he's playing 
like a Madden franchise dynasty mode. And he got sick of winning so many championships <laughs> with his first team that he switches to a whole nother team and just lights it up offensively. And then, you know, he like, not only that, he goes wins the home Super Bowl. Like he goes to the team yeah. that has the Super Bowl at home yeah. just to win there. It's a video. Um, you're, you're right. And then Dude, he's, returning, he's returning all 22 starters for the first time ever. Like Super Bowl winning team. This that's, is just such a simulation. That's unbelievable. It's so funny you said that. That, that, is the, that is the best analogy I've heard. He is literally a Madden creative player mode that like you go through like 20 years and like one summer when you're in high school and you're just bored right yeah like you that's make your literally player 99 and just yeah yeah run them at quarter or, or you're doing the drills in between like games and all of a sudden you're yeah boosted with all these things. that's that's such a good analogy Vito, because that's exactly how it feels but tom terrific is still doing his thing and i think i know the answer to this question for the the burning question here for the tampa bay bucks but I'm not sure if I'm going to agree with you guys. And after what I predicted for the Super Bowl, anyone who listened to this podcast, you can say, Jeff, don't make as Scotty would say, Jeff, I care about you. I don't, don't, make, don't, don't make the same mistake. My question Jeff, is, I care about you. Is a repeat Super Bowl, a realistic outcome for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and I'll, <laughs> I'll agree by saying, yes, it's realistic, but is it probable? Is it would I put money on it? Because I, I honestly, my answer to that is no. It I is. Think, go, well, go ahead. You, I mean, I, I wouldn't know, either. But- well, I wouldn't either. I want to put money on it. But I would say that usually why you worry about teams that just win the Super Bowl is the hangover effect. The whole like, hey, we won. Um, there's the discussion of how hard it is to get back on top. You have to want it even more. But I think when you have a guy like Tom Brady leading you, I think last year was a lot more calm and like they won and that was great. But even the reports of Bruce Arians was a little more chill, obviously, than Bill Belichick. But I think this year you're going to see Brady driving everybody. And I don't know if that's going to work or not, but I just think having a a leader like that will help with the Super Bowl hangover. Um, He's one of the last, he's one of the only quarterbacks to ever repeat and go back to back. Well, he's the last one. I mean, the last time was the 0304 Patriots. The, the basis of my argument is, is a lot what you just said, Vito. But also just historically speaking, the numbers are entirely stacked against it, right? Entirely. But if anybody was going to do it, like, like don't be dumb and don't bet against Tom Brady like I did in the Super Bowl. Like, be smarter than that, <laughs> right? Like, don't be an idiot. I, I, I told do, you I care about you. I, I know you did, Scotty. I know you did. You do care about me, and I still didn't listen. I think that the... the, the the NFL right now is, is loaded with talent. And this is a really cool year because I think there are eight legitimate contenders for a Super Bowl. A lot at of parity. Le- at least eight. Like, and, and we haven't been in this level in a long time. And say what you will as fans, like Brady's hit this Federer level. Like when I was a kid, I hated Roger Federer because he always used to be Andy Roddick and I loved Andy Roddick. And I just wanted Andy Roddick to win Wimbledon. And he never would. And because of it, I hated, I hated the greatness that was Roger Federer. But now that Federer is 40, we don't look at him the same way. Everybody loves Roger Federer. Everyone roots for Federer in every single match. And yes, there are still people and diehard fans who look at Tom Brady and go, I can't stand that dude. That level of vitriol that fans have is unmatched compared to the level of vitriol that other NFL players have for him. Like, yes, they respect him but they do not want that dude winning another Super Bowl. And this is a team that went 11 and five last year and yet still won the Super Bowl. And that what you just talked to, Vito, that level of calm and just, Hey, we, we got this, like that's still all going to be there. 
But when you're the defending national, defending national, defending Super Bowl champion, you have a massive target on your back going into every single game. Every single team you play wants a piece of the champs. They want to be the team that beats the defending champ and not just beat them. They want to embarrass them. And I, I think, again, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But realistically speaking, there's no logical argument to support this other than it's Tom Brady. And that's not a logical argument. That's faith in the guy himself. So that's kind of where the root of my stance on this is at. I mean, I think it's based on returning 22 starters is very also like that's just mm-hmm. unheard of. I think that's just massive for this team. It's unbelievable. And we'll see how they do. Scotty, what do you think? I, to your point about having a target on your back, of course. But again, who's who's going to deal with this the best? It's the guys that are, <clears throat> that are elite in this game. Tom Brady has proven himself to be one, obviously. That goes without saying. Patrick Mahomes had a target on his back last year, and all they did was go 14-2 and two and make it to the Super Bowl again. Um, so, I, look, I, I'm never – I care about you. I'm never counting out Tom Brady. I won't do it. I can't do it anymore. I spent a lot of years doing that that vitriol thing. Thankfully, I got to my 30s and grew up, and now I'm like, you know what? Just appreciate what's great in front of you. For the love of God, there's so much bad crap going on in the world. Just appreciate the greatness in front of you. Okay, Tom Brady is taking these guys back to the Super Bowl again. I'm calling it right now. Wow. Wow. I'm not as bullish as you are, Scotty. I'm not. And and I look, I appreciate it. Like, again, I do respect Tom Brady in a tier that I respect very few athletes. And we're talking about Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. We're talking about like the greatest of all time in their respective sports because he is. I mean, he's done it in a sport that is the heart. You have the least amount of impact on the outcome of a game in a singular position. There's no sport that's as true as it is for football. I, I just think, I mean, again, and, and I get the Mahomes point, but we're also talking about the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in NFL history in Mahomes. Like Mahomes is, is that guy. So and the surrounding cast around him is better than what he had in Tampa Bay. I think a lot of what they did in Tampa Bay last year was kind of catch, I don't want to say catch lightning in a bottle, but more along those lines. It was more of, it was the right team, but to your point, Vito, they brought back everybody. And that buy-in is something special because they all grew up watching Tom Brady. They all believe in Tom Brady in a way that no other quarterback will be believed in before or since this moment like it is legitimately unbelievable to see what the bucks did but i think a a cautious level of skepticism is is required i think it's i think it's only logical to have some sort of skepticism regarding this team because as as brilliant as tom brady is he's still 43 years old i almost said 41 i was like wait no he's two years older than that you know and and we forget Three offensive linemen. I mean, that offensive line is pretty good, and they have a young left tackle that drafted in the first round last year. But Leonard Fournette, it, it takes. I mean, Leonard Fournette revived his career. I Playoff mean, Lenny. Ronald Jones. Like, what do you say? They added Giovanni Bernard too, ironically, in that running back room as well. Um, so, I guess then this leads to my last question about these guys: um, What will be? What would be hypothetically? And, uh, and, and Vito, you kind of touched on a little bit. So Scotty, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, what would be the thing that brings them down? You have them going back to the Super Bowl. What is the thing that would theoretically bring this team down and prevent them from getting back to the Super Bowl? Uh, if you're into this sort of philosophy, it might be complacency because they have one of the easiest schedules in mankind. Um, 
I mean, the division's going to be more challenging than I think a lot of people think. Atlanta's going to be a bit of a stinker, um, but the division's challenging. They got to go to uh, to uh, New England, uh, where Tom Brady's going to beat up on his old friends. Um, you know, the toughest game that they have on the road beyond that is at New Orleans, I guess. I, I like in at LA, um, and beyond that, I, the schedule is stacks up pretty favorably they get buffalo at home late in the year and that's going to be a good matchup i think um that's a 420 no that's got to get flexed come on that's got to be a night game um but anyway that schedule is is on paper now and we talked about this earlier in the show where um, it's easy to have that recency bias and then and then have that historical revision at the end of the year where you go back and go like oh well maybe that schedule wasn't as easy but looking at it now (laughs) that schedule's cake so yeah. getting complacent is a, it might be a problem. And I think that's the only thing that that's, that's hindering them right now. I think it would be if the guys in the locker room aren't as competitive as Tom Brady, and then he goes overboard and, and riffs start existing in the locker room. And I think that goes to that complacency point, but like, I, I think just that a, a misalignment of the team. And I bet you that's how a lot of that's probably happens with repeat teams that are great. Right. But like yeah, look, Kevin Durant and the Warriors, well, yeah, even, even that, I'm just saying that I think they'll do it. I think they'll, they'll make a run, but, and I don't think that'll happen, but that's the one thing that could bring them down. Uh, it's interesting. You say complacency, Scotty, because I wrote down injuries or complacency. Those are the two things I wrote down because uh, the, the, the Warriors point is actually interesting because the one thing with those Warriors teams is as soon as the playoffs hit, they flip the switch. Right. And, and it's very rare to do that. That Warriors team with uh, when they're going to repeat with KD, you know, they didn't look great in a lot of regular season games. And that's part of what factored into my win total here for um, Tampa Bay, which I've been going 12 and five. I've been going 12 hmm. and five. I think there's going to be games that they that they just kind of sleep over. I think there's going to be guys to your point, Vito, in the locker room who go, man, I, I we won a Super Bowl before. That locker room was hungry for a Super Bowl, and human nature oh, yeah. will creep into a lot of those guys. Despite the fact that they will listen to Tom Brady when, when push comes to shove, there will be guys in that locker room who go, man, I won a Super Bowl. We, we did it last year. I know, I, I know what it takes, but yeah. they don't know it the same way that Tom Brady knows it. And I think that is when you talk about kind of rifts in the locker room. I'm not sure if we'll see rifts necessarily, but I think that kind of hesitancy – of kind of Tom Brady being like, no, like we need to be this way. And they're like, dude, what the fuck off. What are you talking about? Like we won the Super Bowl. I know what it takes. Yeah. And yeah. that human nature side of it will kind of set in. So Vito over or under that 12 win mark, what do you have? it? Over 13, 13 and yeah. four. Yep. And that's what you have too, Scotty. I'm over. I'm at yeah. 13 and four. Yep. That's what I've written down. I love it. I love it. All right. Next team, next most interesting team. Again, this is not an order from best to worst, just most interesting here in the NFC South. I have the New Orleans Saints. And Vito, you texted us earlier. You were very eager to talk about this team. Um, the first the first question, the burning question is the one, again, like I said, a lot of these are going to be quarterback-centric. And Vito, once we get this out, I'll give you the floor. And I want your – you're rubbing – you can hear it in the mic. You're rubbing the hands. I love it. That's oh, not a hand. But I put I put I put a little bit of a twist to what the question everyone's worried about, right? Which is who's going to be the starter? Who's going to be the starting quarterback in Week 17? Oh, Jameis or 18? That's the question. It's not Jameis. who's going to get the start. Who's going to be the guy who they eventually settle on by the end of the season? 
both of it's you say Jameis. Jameis? Yeah, yeah, it's Jameis. Yeah. I would agree. I, I, I think I think that's the logical choice. I am fascinated to know if they actually do try to trot out Taysom Hill at some point. But the Jason, the, the Jameis Winston experiment is one that I, I am gonna have my eyes lock on. So Vito, I'll give you the floor since you were you were chomping at the bits to talk about our Saints. What is what has made you so crazy to want to talk about the Saints? What is this driving force? What is it? It's Jameis Winston getting eye surgery last offseason. I've been talking about it for a year. Our boy threw her 5,000 yards, okay? And then he gets brought into Tampa Bay and to, sat to sit, or I'm sorry, he leaves Tampa Bay to sit behind arguably one of the best quarterbacks of this generation, uh, Breeze, and now he's going to get his shot, and he needed it. He needed the chance to be a backup for a second. He's been the starter since he was probably – a kid because he started as a freshman and won a Heisman. So he has probably never been a backup ever in his life. I think that kind of perspective helps a little bit. He's a little bit of a wild dude. And uh, I'm just so excited. I think Jameis not only has an elite year, elite year. I'm saying he's top five quarterback in the NFL by the time the season's done. Wow. That's my bold wow. prediction. Wow. I'm just getting, let's bold. just, let's just take a minute. Let's just soak in. Let's just marinate in this this heat storm of a take that that Vito just threw away. I feel like I feel like I'm in the Sahari Desert right now, and they're like it's 125 degrees, looking for an oasis. Because Jesus Christ, that is a scorching hot take. But I love I, I love the passion behind it. Now I'm gonna be the guy who rains on the parade a little bit here. Um, I had that same mentality basically all of last year, which was I can't wait for Jameis to get his bite at the apple with the Saints, with Sean Payton, learning from Drew Brees. And for any talented quarterback, one as talented as Jameis, I would still have that, you know, that feeling right now. But then I remember, this is Jameis Winston we're talking about here. This is Captain Crableg, all right? This is a guy who you, you cannot trust to do the logical thing, which the logical Especially thing in an is... Uber. Oh, oh, come on now. Not, oh, it was one thing to go crab legs. We don't have to bring that up. Um, <laughs> but Jameis, like, I don't know if you saw, there, there was something that, there was a clip that this was actually what flipped my mind about this veto. And they were interviewing him after, like, the first or second day of training camp. And the reporter asked him, you know, what did you, you know, what are some of the things you learned from Drew Brees? Like, how did this help you? Like, what, like, what did you go? And his response was, yeah, you know, it was great being in the QB room with Drew and, and Sean Payton. You know, like you can learn a lot from those guys. I'm just more of a visual learner. So like, I really feel like I haven't been able to learn a whole lot until this summer when I've been able to kind of be throwing the ball and like actually running the offense and throwing to the first team. And that just set off alarms in my head, which is, what were you doing for the last year, dude? Like you, you had a whole season to watch the way that Drew Brees, like the, the, and even still the trained media answer to that question is, Oh, I watched how he prepped every single day and, and the work he put in and like all this, like very basic stuff that you don't even have to be a pro athlete to know how to respond to. And he just said the worst possible thing he could have said, which is that he basically didn't take away anything from it until he got first team reps again. And that makes me so worried because I, and this is the beauty about Jameis is that even when Jameis is at his, he's either going to put on a show and throw for 400 yards 
and four touchdowns. And yeah, he's going to, but he's going to also throw some hilarious interceptions. This is the dude in week 17 in overtime threw a pick six to lose to be the first quarterback to ever throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Like that is storybook hilarious football content right there. Like there's never been anything funnier than that. So I want Jameis to be great. I genuinely do for the guy, but I just have no faith that that's the version we're going to see. Scotty, where do you fall? Cause I think Vito and I are on very opposite ends of this. Yeah. I go back to that. I think it was the playoff game where he came in and just slung a ball 50 yards for a touchdown. The problem is he doesn't really have anyone to throw to. Uh, and they lost their offensive coordinator, who what really opened up a lot of the pass game for them was getting Camara involved. And Joe Lombardi was really, really good at that, um, both in the pass game and in the run game. Um, I, I just – I don't know. I don't see it. This is, and the schedule, the way it stacks up, they could easily be one and four heading into their bye week in week six. And then two and six af- after that uh, because they got Seattle and Tampa right after the bye. So I, I don't know. I just, there's so many question marks. It's, it's the, it might be the most interesting team in the NFC right now because I love the Saints. I love this New Orleans. Believe me, Vito, you know, and it, it pains me to see that they're, they were on this trajectory knowing that Drew Brees was going to go down, seeing Michael Thomas get hurt in year after year. And now he's going to be back, what, probably halfway through the season. So I don't know who Jameis is going to throw to. I don't care how good his eyes are. Um, it, it's, it's just a lack of, uh, a lack of reception. Um, so that, that's where I'm at. I, I think they do better ultimately in the end because they got Alvin Kamara on their squad and their defense is, is pretty, pretty good. Um, so I just, I don't, I don't see it with, with Jameis. I don't see him being top five, but uh, uh, that's a bold claim video, but uh, love it though. Yeah. Dude, Vito, Kobe, I want to give you, I want to give Vito a chance to – I feel like you had more, like, after I talked, I feel like you had more you wanted to kind of get off. So oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just I – just, all of those stats were pre-eye surgery, guys. You got to remember that. We are in a new era of Jameis Winston. You talk about dumb interview comments. After he got LASIK, they were like, well, how does it work? He's like, I can see linebackers and safeties running around, and they're just like, oh, my God, what? Like – it was just one of those comments where it's like, yeah. you did not just say that. Cause he, he exactly, it definitely took it a little level, a little further, but I am not kidding. I think that like, without a doubt, this guy is electric in the media to say the least. And you're right. He's a show. You're getting a show. Everyone yeah. like he has the talent. We know that he can put a ball anywhere on the football field. Yeah. And he's an elite thrower, but like, this is a new era. What's a who? <laughs> That's my question. Well, no, so here, I'll, I'll push back on that. So Michael Thomas is obviously the, the, the elephant in the room there. Also, Vito, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Like the LASIK thing is huge. And if this actually does end up working out, he needs to sign a multi-million dollar deal with LASIK to oh, be like the official God, spokesperson because yeah. there's never a better example of, <laughs> yeah. of before I and did after. 30 interceptions and now I'm an MVP. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to, to your point, uh, Scott, who is he throwing to? If, and this is a big if, but if the Michael Thomas thing works itself out where he's going to be there, he's going to be in camp right now, where it seems completely up in the air as to whether or not he's actually going to stay in New Orleans, he still has Trey Quan Smith, who has shown a lot of flashes of being a guy. He still has Alvin Kamara, who's basically a wide receiver out mm-hmm. of the backfield, but can also, they use him lined up as a wide receiver in the slot and on the outside a lot in that offense. And the last guy, Marquez Hall- uh, Callaway, 
who has been getting rave reviews in camp, which I understand you take with a grain of salt, but all in all, I really like him. I liked him in college. I liked the, the versions of him that we saw last year when he got some time to see the field. Like Sean Payton knows skill guys. He's the guy who turned Marquise Colston into like a pro bowler out of a seventh round pick. Like if there's anybody who I trust to get the most out of skill position guys, it's Sean Payton. So I actually think he's going to have some weapons to throw to. It's the guy throwing it. I still have more questions about personally. Um, the other side of the ball here is, is worth talking about. Um, who the hell is playing defense for the Saints outside of Cam Jordan and outside of uh, uh, who's, who's, who's the cornerback? Um, Marshawn Lattimore. Outside of those two guys, I don't know who the hell is playing defense for them. They did re-sign the linebacker who, uh, whose name is escaping me, but uh, had been around. Um, Quan Alexander, thank you. Um, you're always so good with that, by the way. Like, I'm always like, I know the Thanks. name. It's like right on the tip of my head. And you're just like, this guy. Like, it's just like, a, it's well, like a producer, just... like sliding me a note on a piece of paper being like, yeah. thinking of Quan Alexander. That's, um, that's my job. <laughs> but outside of that, guys, I mean, uh, Marcus Davenport has not been the, the guy that they thought they were going to get drafting him 14th overall back in 2018. Yep. This is year number four for him. They really need to see it. Um, they do have David uh, Onyamata. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that 100% yep. right, but exactly. he's got a he's got a six game suspension because of PEDs. So who who is playing defense for this New Orleans team that gives you any sort of hope that this defense is going to be viable in a, in a division where you're playing Tom Brady twice and you're playing some pretty good offenses? I I just I don't have any faith here, and that's going to be the other side of it, which is like Jameis can be amazing, but even if Jameis is amazing, who the hell are they stopping? And they're in cap hell boys so if it yeah. doesn't work out with Jameis, oh, yeah. we're talking about a total total rebuild in new orleans in my opinion it all comes down to demario davis like mm. i think demario davis is the guy that this all comes down to can he absolutely be the bone crushing like commander on the defense that can take on at least be competitive enough to slow down a few offenses so that the Jameis lightning bolt train can take off and score 60 points on everybody. You know what I mean? They just have to slow them down. That's what we got to remember. Yeah. Cause you got lightning on the other side. And honestly, I, I would say this, if Demario Davis can put together, I guess a cohesive enough zone coverage against most teams, I think that they will be in games enough late to at least see some, uh, offensive sparks for the Saints. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, Vito. And Demario Davis in his career has been like the ultimate Mike. Uh, we know this going to Penn State. We've seen these kind of guys that just like smash you in the mouth up you the middle trying stairs. to run, right? And Linebacker so, you. That's right. Look at this division and the running backs you got. You got playoff Lenny. You've got Rojo. You've got uh, – You've got uh, uh, Giovanni Bernard for Tampa. You've got Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, okay, so if you can slow Mike those Davis guys down. Mike Davis, exactly. Yeah, if you can slow those guys down, a lot of them, with the exception of McCaffrey, who are north-south runners, yeah. uh, then then you're absolutely right, V. That's a great point, and I love that take. All right, so my win-loss record prediction for the Saints is 6-11. and 11. I think over. it's over. Oh I wow, think it's, way I think, over. I, th- I think it's tear down. I think this is. I think this is the end of the old version of because this is a roster that's still just that like was, the swamp. This is the roster, just like with the with the Patriots when they went all in building the roster for that last Super Bowl run, run with Tom Brady, and then Tom leaves, and then you're left picking up the pieces. I think we're except now. I mean, the Patriots still had Tom Brady for that year. Now it's like 
put, you know, a, a, someone else in for Tom Brady that year. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of similar to what we saw with Cam Newton last year. This is a roster that was built three years ago for Drew Brees, not for Jameis Winston. Uh, and I, I mean, look, if it works out, he's going to look like a genius. If not, they're in a rebuild mode and either way, Sean Payton's not losing his job. You guys are both taking the over on that. Give me a quick win loss prediction there, Vito for the saints. 14 and three, you can mark it up. Winning the division over Tampa. That's wild. 11 and six. <laughs> well, we are all over the place. I'm glad that the, the win loss things have worked out the way that they are. Cause I don't think, I think except for <laughs> one, I think we've been entirely different on it, which is great for content. Um, all right. Next team, in the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers, the Sam Darnold, reclamation project begins and that is again where our question is but mine specifically tied to joe brady where joe brady the savant of the lsu 2019 undefeated national championship team with joe burrow with joe burrow is he the guy that fixes sam darnold and maybe not even fixes but maybe just gets him to what we all saw the talent at usc you guys saw it firsthand as penn state fans in that rose bowl is this the year that we see that version of Sam Darnold finally exist now that he's out of New York? I think it'll help, but I also, I, I think, think stepping stones and going up staircase, not jumping into a pool and all of a sudden he's, he's great. Like, I, I think it's going to take a little while here. It takes some both a little time to get to know each other. Um, it, it's definitely when you have a new coach, new quarterback, the whole shift of the culture of a team can happen. So you got to get that right. Look for slow steps, but I think they'll be better. I think it also helps that they have a, a quarterback wide receiver combo that has existed in the past with Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson, who's an underrated wide receiver in the league. Um, and the fact that Joe Brady can just open up receivers to, to make them look great. And he did that last year with Robbie Anderson. Um, and the fact that he's going to have Sam Darnold thrown in the ball where they've already had chemistry there. And uh, I, I think that's a great combination to your point about the stepping stone veto. That's I couldn't think of a better one uh, is, is to have that kind of uh, already established chemistry leading it into that uh, into that building block. So um, I, I, I think their offense could could fuck around and, and be really good. I think I might have jinxed us with that last one because I feel the exact same way. Uh, I, I think I think we're gonna, <laughs> I think we're going to see a, a, I mean. The one difference being is I'm actually really excited for this wide receiver room. Uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. We've seen flashes of DJ Moore be yeah, excellent. If, yeah, uh, if he can and, be a, anything near what he what he was supposed to be. He's a dynamic uh, player. But they yeah. also they signed David Moore from Seattle in the offseason, which I thought was a great addition. And they drafted Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU, who I think reminds me a there lot uh, reminds me a lot of the the wide receiver from Clemson uh, who went to the Bengals last year. T Higgins, T Higgins. Thank you. Did it again. T Higgins, who uh, T Higgins is gift <laughs> was someone who I was like, why isn't T Higgins going in the first round? Now he went with the first pick in the second round. Terrace Marshall, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. Was a second round pick as well. Uh, I, I think Terrace Marshall could be a, a legitimate and like the buzz out of Bengals camp is how amazing T Higgins has been. I think we might see a similar kind of trajectory here with Terrace Marshall Jr., uh, that's a wide receiver room that gets me excited. What doesn't get me as excited is the offensive line in Carolina, which they've done some work to try to fill up, to try to get some guys. I think it's a minimal improvement um, going from the New York Jets O-line last year with Makai Becton, who stepped in and was a great offensive left tackle right away, to this Carolina offensive you know, line. Is good. Now, the big difference between the two is 
I think this Carolina defense is going to be sick. And Matt Rule yeah. is a really good coach. And I think a lot of this comes down to and, and how good you think the Panthers are going to be is going to come down to how much do you believe in Matt Rule. And I am someone who bought all of the Matt Rule stock when he got hired, and I think he's going to be great. What do you guys – how do you feel, I guess, right now about Matt Rule heading into year number two? He drafted all defensive players his first year. He added another great cornerback in J.C. Horn out of South Carolina who fell to him <laughs> this round, uh, this year's draft. I'm excited for this Carolina defense. I mean, Derek Brown, uh, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, there's a lot of young, really good players on that Carolina defense. How are we feeling about Matt Rule going into year number two for the Panthers? I mean, I love it. You talk about connections, Matt Rule, Robbie Anderson, Temple. How about that? Um, and Joe Brady and, and Terrence Marshall Jr. But that defense is – they were good last year. It took them a while to build up that chemistry, but by the back half of the year, they were a, a, a fantasy streamer. Like, I, I would pick them up in a, in a heartbeat in like week and 10, they were young. 11, 12. They were and so young. young last year. Exactly. So I, I fully anticipate – and that, that secondary was really, really good. That's what held them together. Um, and – so I, I fully anticipate uh, if if that comes back and they're healthy, I like it. I like it a lot. What about you, Vito? I love Matt Rule. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think that <clears throat> what we're going to see this year is again that that progression, that step. It happens with great coaches um, like this. Like you know, the key is to not let anything slip. You want to just keep getting better and better and better. And I think Matt Rule's the kind of leader and the kind of guy that can do that. Um, I think they're going to have actually a better season than most people think in a very, very tough division. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited. I think they have a shot to uh, surprise a lot of people, especially if McCaffrey's healthy, like that would just be nice yeah. for all of us to see. And, and I'll, I'll add this on top of it too. I mean, bringing back Chris McCaffrey, you're bringing back arguably the most impactful non quarterback in the NFL, at least on mm -hmm. the offensive side of the ball. If we want to talk about defense, Aaron Donald, Obviously, there's plenty of guys we can talk about there, but just impactful offensive players, non-quarterback, it's hard not to have Christian McCaffrey at the top of that list. They also, Chuba Hubbard, I love that pick. He broke off a sick run uh, in preseason the other night, which uh, I was watching today, which is an unbelievable thing. So they have a little bit of insurance there. There is no Mike Davis, uh, but they do have a little bit of insurance there if something were to happen to McCaffrey. But if McCaffrey stays healthy, and Sam Darnold showed a lot of flashes of being great, guys. Like, I think we under – like, it's not as big of a reclamation project as I think a lot of people thought. So, I have the Carolina Panthers going eight and nine in this division. I think they finish uh, second overall in the division behind Tampa Bay. And I think they turn some heads. And I think this is a year that Matt Rule kind of cements himself as like, all right, we don't need to worry about this guy going into year number three. I agree. Eight and nine exactly. Uh, but third place in the division because of the Saints. Because you, yeah, you and your Saints. I, you jinxed it, Jeff. I have exactly that. Eight and That's, nine, third place in the oh, division. Oh, man. No but look, only because that back half of their schedule, after their bye week, they've got Atlanta, then they're at Buffalo, Tampa at home, at New Orleans, at Tampa. That's insane. Yeah. Like, that's, that's it's a hard the stretch. toughest schedule in the world. It's, it's a hard stretch. All right. Uh, quickly here on this last team, because I don't think there's too much to talk about, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Talk early. Oh, wait. Very, very meta, very vague here. What is this team? <laughs> we, have, we have, we have new head coach in Arthur Smith. Uh, no longer. This is the post Julio Jones era an aging Matt Ryan and a potential budding superstar in Kyle Pitts. So I ask again, 
what the hell is this team? A lot of fun to watch. Sometimes they're they're red zone contributors, and that's it. Let's see yeah. their cool highlight play touchdowns, and then don't I don't want to see them the rest of the year. This team is Young Way Koo. That's who it is, Vito. That's who go. it is. That this team is Young Way Koo. This is my guy, Young Hose and Loyal coming back round two. <laughs> the most uh, impactful kicker in all of football. The one that grabs the most eyeballs has the highest Q rating. Uh, round Q ten. Watch on it. Um, I do Round think, 10. though, I do think they are going to be better than a lot of people think. Like, I think they're the team that they went four and 12 last year. I think they are the team that makes a pretty strong bounce back. I have them going seven and 10 this year. I think this this division uh, actually have them finishing ahead of New Orleans uh, by a game. I, I think this whole division is going to be relatively competitive. I think we're going to see some cannibalization going on at the bottom over under the seven win mark for both of you guys. Under I'm going to go five. Yeah. Under, under five or, and 12. Yep. Both like you guys going under. All right. Uh, that is the NFC South. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back. And up next, we have the NFC East and the NFC North. Time for the NFC Beast, NFC Least, yeah, NFC that one. whatever, however you want to make the Weast. NFC. The end, the Weast, Wombo, <laughs> Wombology. Um, <laughs> NFC East. Uh, this is a fascinating division because there's a lot of different directions. I think we can kind of go with it, but we're going to start uh, with the Washington football team who, in my opinion, I think they're the best team in the division uh, from a roster <laughs> perspective. We know that they have, uh, I, I think easily the best defense in the division time and close, arguably the best defense in the NFL all in all. Um, but my question to you guys is, is this the year that Ryan Fitzpatrick finally wins a playoff game? Oh, even plays even yes. plays in a playoff game. I, I think he'll play in one. Can I say that? I think he'll play in one. He'll play I don't know one. if he's gonna win, but he'll play in one. I think he might play. I think he might win one, but I don't think he'll win one. I think the defense will win one if that's fair. But I think his team will win one. Scotty, <sighs> this stupid division is literally gonna come down <laughs> to the last four weeks, five weeks of the season. Because everybody's playing everybody. I don't know how they got that draw, but literally oh, yeah, everybody's playing love, everybody. Can we just say the schedulers have gotten so much better in the last couple of years in terms of like, I love they push all the divisional games to the end because you yeah. play all of your division at the end again, just to make sure it's a, it's a run through the gauntlet. Mess. Yeah. 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 Seriously, I, I think they get in a playoff game, but it's going to be like the seven and nine wins the division again. That's crazy. So I, I, I disagree completely. Um, just in terms of the whole division, even I actually think this division is going to be far more competitive than people think. I think the worst division in the yeah. NFC is going to be the NFC North. I think when you, when you look at the roster, like where's the weakness, where's the biggest weakness in this roster? Because the big, honestly, it's quarterback, the, that's honestly. The, but that is the only one. And even still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and we had this debate when, when Fitzpatrick signed there and I was adamantly saying, you know, <laughs> Why do people care about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, why do people think that Ryan Fitzpatrick all of a sudden like this amazing, brilliant quarterback? I don't think he's an amazing, brilliant quarterback, but I think he can win you games. I think he absolutely can win you games. Right. I mean, that like, dude with is that defense. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't that, have to do it all. But also look at the offense. The offensive line is is honestly really good. Like, they, they've invested in the offensive line. So, like, that's one of the biggest problems I've always had. Antonio Gibson. I think has the ch has the chance to be like a top ten to Huge. top five 
fantasy running back. I mean, he was a wide receiver in college. He catches the ball in the backfield as well as anybody, and his work between the tackles is honestly dumbfounding. It, it made the Eagles draft Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis as well because Gainwell did the exact same thing. He was a wide receiver trans that they – kind of transformed into a running back. Um, he's not the same build as Gibson, but he showed you stuff. They added Curtis Samuel, who I was, I'm not crazy about Curtis Samuel, but as your second receiver to Terry McLaurin, who I love Terry McLaurin. Yeah. I think there should be far more optimism around this team as a legitimate. And also look at the coach. Like we're talking about Ke- riverboat Ron. We're talking about Ron Rivera. Like I, I, I'm very bullish about the Washington football team this year. Uh, there's there's no weakness on the defense at all. The, the one weakness they had was linebacker, and they solidified that with Jamin Davis in the first round this year, who absolutely flies around, got a nose for the ball. He's a little undersized, but he plays way bigger than his body. They have an awesome secondary. They have arguably one of the best defensive lines in the league. There's not a weak – and on top of it, they're being run by one of the best defensive coaches we've had in the NFL for the last you know decade. In Ron Rivera, I think this defense is going to be a top two defense in the NFL. And I think the offense is going to be far more dangerous than people are giving them credit for. So that's at least where I feel. Now, I get the skepticism because the NFC East, they do it every every year, it feels like. Right. But there's something different about this Washington football team this year. I, I, I it's so funny because if I said that any other year, that would have made sense to be like, oh, you know, <laughs> this Washington football team, you were, we were talking about the old logo. But, like, that's literally the name. But I actually do feel bullish about this team. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I I get it. But, again, this is the most cannibalistic division in football. Um, because, for some reason, the bad teams beat the good teams, and the good teams can't win against the bad teams. But then yeah. they find a way to beat the good teams, and then the bad teams end up benefiting at some point. So, um follow that if you can Uh, the guy i'm really high on is uh is logan thomas (laughs) is is one of the guys that just is a huge standout to me on that offense and you look at uh first of all he's just a great tight end um but you know when when it comes to some of those schemes that that you're going to have to see out of fitzpatrick it's going to be uh samuel's not open deep uh mclaurin's not open in the slot or deep uh or you can interchange those uh gibson's trying to block for me there's uh there's logan thomas over the middle bang uh to me tied in five watch out i like that call yeah now can i ask you both this is the rationale for being uh timid with washington more to do with what we've seen in the past as opposed to the way that their current roster is constructed no i'm not timid at all i think this team's also going to do very well like i i I think that you have an offense that with a guy like Fitzpatrick can just be a complete offense, be like a middle tier offense in the NFL and you have an elite defense. And if you can just not turn the ball over, you're going to win a lot of games. The other aspect of their team, which is honestly funny to talk about, but a little underrated. I love their punter trace way. Mm. Like, and when you have a defensive team, that matters a lot more like Kansas city's punter is the most overrated football player ever because he doesn't have to do anything. There was like two games where he didn't even punt. Yeah. When you're the Washington football team's punter, you better be damn good. Cause your team actually depends on you a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. This, I mean, we always forget, right. I mean, it's the classic cliche in football. There's, you know, three, three sides to football. And we always talk about two, but like special teams does matter a lot. Like yeah, it, a football's it, round. How could there be three sides? You're the worst. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I have Washington going 12 and five and winning the NFC East. I, I don't know if I could do that. Um, I'm going to say lower, but they make the playoffs at 11 and yeah. 11 and six. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm a 10, yeah. 10 and seven, 11 and six. I'm in that range. They still have the toughest schedule in that division. Just based on, on strength of schedule numbers, you know, if you combine the, the, the winning percentage of, of the teams from last year that are on their schedule this year, they still have the toughest schedule in their division. The Bucs just won the Super Bowl, and yet they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Though. So yeah, of course. Like, well, I, Tom always... Brady, there you go. <clears throat> um, but I, I, yeah, I, that's fine. 10, 11 wins, sure. Uh, somebody's going to win that in that division. Well, we, we will see. We will see. Um, next most interesting team in the NFC East, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and and the, the, que- the, question, the question surrounding them is can Dak stay healthy, which is a question I never really thought I would have to worry about given the first four years of his career. But based off what we saw last year, which wasn't his fault, it was a freak injury. But now with this shoulder injury, I mean, hearing shoulder injury in the preseason and the multiple MRIs, and I know they're saying all the right things, except for the Cowboys Twitter count. Um, other than that, they're saying all the right things. They're saying that like everything's going to be okay, that he the second MRI came back clean, all this stuff. If you're having pain when you're throwing and MRIs are coming back clean, that is a problem. Um, and I really like the way that this team is constructed. But the, the other half of kind of my question is, is this whole new Mike McCarthy a real thing? Because before Dak went out, he was, he was on pace to basically be the MVP of the league. I mean, it was only three games, but still he looked, he was lighting the world on fire in those first three games. So this Dallas team is tough to figure out. They have hard knocks this year. The hard knocks curse or whatever you want to call it has not been friendly to teams in the past. Will Dak be able to stay healthy throughout the rest of the season? And, and ultimately is Mike McCarthy, it's a two-parter, but ultimately is Mike McCarthy going to end up being the right guy for this job? Oh, I, I think so. I think both of those things will happen this year. And I think they end up winning the division um, because of that. I think they have the offensive skill set, defense. Um, I at least like the fact that I like Vander Etch. I just do. I don't know why. And and I love Micah Parsons. Well, Micah I, Parsons I love, is, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think they're going to have enough talent, at least around. Um, they have some solid, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence on defense, but I, I just think that this team's going to put it together. They have a great line. They have Zeke. They, if they, everyone can just stay healthy, CD lamb, Mari Cooper. I mean, you can't, you can't fuck that up. Right. Like that's just too good of a team and an offense. I think you, you go ahead and you go ahead and score a lot of points win the division, not as electric as what we saw. We got to remember what Dak was doing was historic in those first two games, but I do think he'll have a great season as well. What Aaron Rodgers and uh, and Jordy Nelson wasn't good enough for Mike McCarthy? I mean, geez, you got to go get the second best wide receiving core in the league. Um, nah, man, this offense is elite. They upgraded on defense. I I don't Apparently. think. I yeah, but I I think they're better than they were last year. There's a lot of red looking at this injury report right now, and we're in week one of the preseason. Um, so that's that's a bit of a flag, um, and there's not a whole lot of, of depth. I don't think enough to keep them that Washington team. If they stay healthy, like we said, is, is going to be really good. Um, so I don't know if that's enough to keep them in the mix in that division. 
I, uh, I'm, I'm one of those people who I look at the roster of the Cowboys and I go, you guys made a huge mistake hiring Mike McCarthy. Because I look at that roster and I go, that is a team that should be competing for a Super Bowl. And with Mike McCarthy running it, I have zero confidence that, they'd act, that they're actually going to do it. I just don't. I, there are going to be games that Mike McCarthy loses them because of the way that he runs. He's just, he, he has proven nothing since the year they won the Super Bowl, which basically wasn't even his team. It was his second year in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy has done nothing but piss down his own leg. I mean, like, I, have, I just have zero faith at all. And I thought last year, you know, I got, I got, I bought into the, all the hype with Mike McCarthy. It's like, oh, he's been working with the analytics guys and he's been doing this stuff. There's a whole fucking documentary about it. I don't buy into Mike McCarthy at all. I look at Dak, I look at Zeke, I look at CD Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and that offensive line, which is old, but still good. And I think you guys made a huge mistake hiring Mike McCarthy to be your next head coach, because this is a team that should be competing for a Super Bowl. The defense, there are still a lot of question marks. I don't think they upgraded much at all. I think the biggest upgrade they made was Micah Parsons, who was going to come in and be a stud right away. But that secondary is still absolute garbage. The defensive line, I like Demarcus Lawrence. I think he's painfully overrated. They still have Randy Gregory somehow. I don't understand how he's even allowed to be in the NFL at this point. I think the defense, it's like they're going to score a ton of points. I don't think they're going to stop anybody. Van Der Esch, I'm with you, Vito. I love watching the dude play. Mm-hmm. Guy misses 50% of his games every single year. He's Sean Lee 2.0. Jalen yeah. Smith, they signed to the big contract. Amazing story. Tears his ACL in the the, the bowl game. Uh, the college, I think it was college football playoff game for Notre Dame. Ends up getting going from being a top five draft pick to a second round draft pick. Still gets his payday at the end of the day. He was horrible last year, like horrible last year. Like I one of the Diggs got better though. There were a couple guys that showed a sure, little bit for sure. And they need Diggs to take a huge step forward this yeah. year. But yeah. <laughs> again, the dude got like, he didn't even show signs of promise last year. Now he has the talent to still be a top level guy and he's an Alabama guy. So, you know, Alabama cornerbacks are usually a pretty safe bet. I just I, I think there's a lot of concerns on the defense, but I think the offense is going to be so overwhelmingly talented and good that they're still going to win a lot of games. So I have the Dallas Cowboys going 10 and seven, finishing second in the division behind the Washington football team. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say they win like 12 and or and barely win the division by like a game. Scotty. I'm going under nine going and eight. under. Wow. Who would have thought that I'm more bullish on the Cowboys than Scott. Oh, I don't like them either, but I... <laughs> <laughs> no one yeah, likes the Cowboys. I, unless you're I, a Cowboys it's fan, the, let's be real. It's the Mike McCarthy thing for me. And I, that's just, exactly this. This roster yeah. should be good. They should have hired somebody else. I think Jerry Jones made a mistake in hiring Mike McCarthy. And look, if I'm wrong, and it's the version of the Cowboys we saw in those first three weeks last year, then I'll eat my words. But I, I have no, no faith that we're going to see uh, – you know, Mike McCarthy all of a sudden change because we didn't see him change last year with any of the quarterbacks, Ben DiNucci or not. Um, all right, next team, most interesting teams in the NFC East, your Philadelphia Eagles. Um, this is an interesting pick for me in terms of interestingness, but I, I think the reason you pick the Eagles here in terms of storylines is because of the overhaul, right? This is a team that's only four years, not even three years removed from a Super Bowl. Uh, they move on from the Super Bowl winning coach. Neither of the quarterbacks that played that season are on the team anymore. 
but a lot of the core pieces of the roster still are. I love the Eagles roster. I, I genuinely, genuinely do. But the question for this team, just like so many others, and, and this is going to be, a, 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 I guess, a little bit different, is just we don't really know what to expect out of Jalen Hurts. We, we, we really don't. We have such a small sample size. Some of it was good, beating the New Orleans Saints when they were a juggernaut last year. Is Jalen Hurts the guy? Do we see enough to at least give him that next opportunity or do the Eagles then decide to use all of these trade, all this trade assets, all this capital that they got from Carson Wentz to go trade for Sean Watson or Russell Wilson or one of these other guys that's out there? I mean, all right, here's the deal. I, I think you got to live. You got to give Jalen hurts a little bit more time, but yes, the Philadelphia job is, I think pretty attractive. I think there are some other ones too, that would be right. Especially, um, there are some whole other side of the uh, of the NFL that we're going to get to, you know, in another pod. We'll talk about the AFC a little bit, but I think there's some other options as well. I do think it's a good destination, but Jalen Hurts, I think, will take a step up, and I think will actually be your starter still in Week 18, which we're to say again, but um, at least in Week 18, who knows? Maybe Week 19, we'll see. But uh, you know what I mean? We'll see if they can make it to the playoffs and what happens. But I, I do think that um, he'll take a step up and be your starter at the end of the year. Yeah, I think so too. I am just, I'm sold on the, the fact that he was able to in college, go and compete and play at Alabama and got beaten out by one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen in college in Tua and then transfer to Oklahoma and be great there and win a Heisman. Um, and so the competitiveness to me, I, I, I I'm a, I'm a big Philly guy. Uh, you know, I'm not from there, but I love, I love the city. I love the energy. It's a lot of like, you know, blue collar, hard work, get your shit done. Uh, we're competitive and we're going to kick your ass because Philly's better than the world. Um, that reads yeah. to, that reads to the, uh, to the fans that reads to the organization. Um, and I think, uh, Jalen's bought into that too. So, um, you know, you put the weapons around that guy, you go and get Devonte Smith. Um, you've got what I think is probably a, a, a top three, top, well, not top three, top four, probably tight end in Dallas Goddard. I think people are underselling him. Um, the running back thing is a question for me. Obviously they got the great Miles Sanders, but signing carry on Johnson right before camp was a bit of a weird red flag for me, especially after having drafted Kenneth Gainwell. Um, but I think they've got, they got the pieces. My big question mark is Sirianni. I don't know what he's going to do in that offense. Yeah. And that's the other big question here, Scott is, is first year head coach, Nick Sirianni. Um, obviously I've been following very closely to the reaction out of Philly. And, and from everything I've seen is that the players love, love the guy. Like they just absolutely love him. They, they love his hands-on approach, but he's not too hands-on. He works with certain guys and practice and specific things. Uh, he's run a very tight ship. Like there's, there's only so many like little nuggets you can pull from a coach running a training camp and like what you can actually rely on and the efficiency, the timing of everything, the way that you actually plan out your practices, that is a big indicator historically of success with NFL coaches. And Sirianni has been amazing at that. The players love him. I, the thing with Hertz, and, and this is where I've, I've, my, my split on him has been since the day they drafted him which is I love the guy. I love the human being Jalen Hurts. 
I adore everything about him. I adore his work ethic, the way he approaches the game, the way he looks at the game, his work ethic, every single thing about Jalen Hurts, the guy I love. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, there's no reason to believe that he's going to be good. He couldn't see the field out of at Alabama in terms of progressions, reading everything else. There's just, it's almost like a, like a skill you have it or you don't. He never could see the field smoothly, but by the end of the season, when he was at Oklahoma and a much simpler offense, they were running the ball 78% of the time. And I get it. You want to use him for his legs and his strength and this other stuff, but that's also an indication, especially coming off of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray about how he sees the field as a passer. So to buy into the idea that Jalen Hurts is just going to magically flip the switch and now at the NFL level, he's going to be able to read defenses in a way that he never could at college at Alabama or at Oklahoma is very concerning. But if anybody was going to do it because of this irrational belief I have in the guy Jalen Hurts and everything I've learned about him over because I got to remember, I started working college sports when he was at Alabama. Yeah. And I was working in college sports when he was at Oklahoma and I was working in college sports when he got drafted. Like I've been with this dude following for, for four years now. I'm cautiously optimistic that he could make that kind of, a there we go. I am, but it's very cautious because I, everything we've seen out of him has been great. We talked about it at the beginning of the pod, 16 of 17 against the bill Belichick defense, but it's, practice and bill belichick's not going to show anything in a preseason scrimmage he's just not so who will I, be who will be the better quarterback at the end of the year in your eyes james winston or jalen hurts <laughs> jalen jalen hurts all that right has, that, that has more he's to gonna do be with the top four about. quarterback in the nfl you heard it from jeff first <laughs> it has more to do with how i feel about Jameis than it does with jalen um but the other thing I really that, that gives me the cautious optimism is it's not just Jalen. It's the it's the roster. It's everybody around it. Right. The offensive line is healthy for the first time. You have to remember the Eagles had 14 different offensive line combinations, starting offensive line combinations last year. The only player that played in every game was Jason Kelsey. We have a healthy Brandon Brooks back who we didn't have all of last year. Who's one of the best guards in the NFL. We have a healthy Lane Johnson. You got Jordan Mailata, who has secured that starting left tackle spot, who is a physical freak. And Isaac Samalu has proven that he can be a really, really good left starting high quality left tackle or left guard in the NFL. The offensive line is going to be good. I actually love these young pieces. Quez Watkins, uh, absolute speedster. And all of the, the, the practice in the offseason, all that stuff, all of the, the stuff that nobody sees, Jalen Hurts is elite at, you know, working with these guys. And also, I'm a huge believer in Devontae Smith. I just can't wait to watch Devontae Smith play for the freaking Eagles. Zach Ertz has had an amazing camp. He's still in Philly by all accounts. It's unbelievable. Dallas mm -hmm. Goddard, I agree with you, Scott, could easily be a top 10 tight end in all of football this year. I love the roster. And the defense is awesome. I, the defensive line might be the best defensive line in football. It'll be up there in the top five. Uh, the linebacking core is questionable, but they brought in Steven Nelson to be the opposite corner late in, in the offseason. I think he's going to be great on the defensive end. I love what they did in the secondary. I'm bullish on the Eagles all in all. So I have the Eagles going 7-10. and 10. I think they go 7-10. and 10. Oh, Wow. I think we see Jalen Hurts show enough to bring him back next year as a starting quarterback. Um, and his ability to run the ball and everything is going to be good. So I'll ask you guys, over, under, seven wins. Over. Over. What? Yeah, yeah man. Eight and nine. 
I was going to say nine and eight, eight and nine. I think your whole division is going to really, I think that's what we talked about. I, I think what's weird about your division, every time you guys suck the next year, you're way better and everyone hates you more for it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, we were so goddamn good. We all almost made the playoffs or like literally three of your other, t- three of your teams will make the playoffs other than the next year. None of you guys have a winning record. That's the NFC East. And that's, we came to love. So I'm getting the over. So wow. the only reason I go under 500 there is because their bye week is not till week 14. That's they a grind. A and you got to play bye week. The, yeah, you got to play the Niners. You got to play the Chiefs. You got to play Tampa. And you got to play at Denver. Uh, you got to play the Chargers. And you got to play the Saints all before that. You have yeah. the easiest last four weeks of, of the NFC East, I think, with Washington, New York, Washington, Dallas. But that's a grind to go 13 weeks without a bye. I'm feeling optimistic about Sirianni. You know, Jeffrey Lurie has never hired a bad coach since he took over the team. That's true. He, he, every single coach he's had in the first season, it was very apparent it was the right hire. Andy Reid, Chip Kelly. Remember, Chip Kelly went 10-6 and six his first two years I love as a head Chip. coach. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, Doug Peterson going on to do what, what he did for the Eagles. So, I, I have full faith in Jeffrey Lurie and the way that they go about hiring guys. And I, I, I think the Eagles are going to surprise some people this year. I really do. Um, last team, we'll go quick here, though I am v- not very bullish on this team, the New York football Giants. Uh, this is – now, I, I, I wrote down a quarterback-centered question because this is Daniel Jones's last chance to prove he can be something – but I'm going to twist it a little bit so we're not just always doing quarterback questions. Are people going to get sick of this, this shtick that Joe Judge is, is putting on? Because I, I think it's played for the first couple of years, and I'm getting like Eric Mangini vibes, where it's a guy who's trying to kind of be like Belichick, but everyone says, no, he's still doing his own thing, has some early decent success early on. I think this whole making everybody run at practice and making make the coaches run and all this stuff, I think it's going to wear people out. I think it's going to happen quick. And I think Daniel Jones is going to end up being the disaster that we all thought he was when they made that pick at six overall. Uh, the New York football giants, is Joe Judge going to wear out his welcome sooner rather than later for the Giants? No. And in fact, if anyone does, it's going to be David Football Gettleman who gets run out before Joe judge does those fans love Joe judge. They love the work ethic he puts in and instills in his players, make them go run. Great. Uh, I, 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 I'm really th- think that uh, the, the New York fans are sold on Joe judge and they don't want him gone. If they, if anything, they want Gettleman gone for not having built an offensive line around Saquon and not having drafted the right quarterback and, and all those reasons. So David football, Gettleman can go Joe, the uh, lay down the uh, the gavel judge he can stay. I mean, I, that would be nice. The problem is the fans, in all honesty, even though they pay the the bills in most ways, they don't make the decisions, and and that's where I think it's going to be an issue. I do think he wears out his stay, and I don't think it's his fault. I think he built a pretty good team around him. I mean, look at the offensive weapons this year. You got to remember they went out, they drafted Tony, their wide receiver, they got Saquon back, and they got Kyle Rudolph, which is a really good pickup. Yeah, like they, they have some weapons here, and, and I'm really excited to see at least um, what the offense looks like. Now, is it successful? I don't know, but I think at least he's, <laughs> oh, <I'm> <laughs> I, I, it all becomes under quarterback like it always does to Jeff's point. So I think, no, I don't believe in, in Jones. That's why I think Judge loses his job, and I think it's, it's all over at the end of this year. I think, John, I think Daniel Jones gets benched at some point this year. I, I mean, he – he is all of the turnovers that Carson Wentz and so many other guys have without any of the flashes of upside that make you love the guy. He, I, I don't understand the appeal at all 
with Daniel Jones. I, I, I think he's a nice guy, and I think he got put in a very unfortunate situation. I think Gettleman and Judge are both old-school football guys, and I think that plays for a very short life lifespan. And it reminds me a little bit of Chip Kelly, but kind of on the opposite side, where Chip Kelly was this new, creative, brilliant guy who was going to revolutionize football – but the personality ultimately, I think, wears people out. Now, the one thing people say is that Joe Judge is authentic to himself, and that plays in locker rooms. But telling a guy who makes $20 million a year, go run a lap, is not going to play for long. And I don't know if it'll be this year. It might be next year or the year, maybe even the year after. I think Joe Judge ends up never taking this team to the level that they think they do. Um, and I think unless they find a real correction at the quarterback position, I just don't see how this team's going to be good. Their defense is going to be good. Defense is going to be really good. I, I think I think they'll end up with a top 10 defense in the NFL, honestly, especially if Leonard Williams performs to the contract that they gave him. But yeah. Galladay, already banged up in, in preseason, has barely practiced in training camp, and you went out and spent $60 million on this guy to go be a guy for you who, by the way, you're already bringing him into a, a wide receiver room that had three legitimate starting NFL wide receivers in it. So you have an embarrassment at riches at wide receiver and you have no offensive line. You you botched your number three overall pick taking Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, when you could have gotten Mekhi Becton. You could have gotten the um, Jedrick Wills. You could have gotten the the cat down in uh, Tampa Bay who was the starting left tackle there. Uh, who on the Super Bowl run, and you didn't. You drafted Andrew Thomas, who was the first offensive lineman taken off the board. So I think this is going to be a bad year for the Giants. I have them going 6-11. and 11. That's generous. I'm on the under there. Same. I, I'm I, the same one, 13. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think they're, I think they're at four wins. So five maybe, but below that for sure. All right. Well, there you have it. There's our NFC East. I think consensus. We all think with Vito, you have the Cowboys edging a little bit ahead of Washington. But I think we all agree that Washington's probably top to bottom the best team in that division. But a couple of nine, eight, seven win teams in the middle there. And uh, we're all on board with the Giants there not being great. So we're going to take a quick break, come back. Uh, We're going to wrap this up with the NFC North. This one will be much quicker because this is a very easy division to go through. So we'll be right back in a second. All right, it's time to wrap up our NFC preview with the NFC North. And, you know, we can talk about any of these other teams. We can try to make any of them interesting all we want. Justin Fields, you know, Dalvin Cook. We can go a million different places. But there's one team that we're all talking about here, the team that arguably dominated the most with these headlines over the last month with Aaron Rodgers. And, yes, we are talking about the Green Bay Packers. Um, Packers – Number one seed last year, if I have that correct. Yeah, 13 and three, Jeff. Number one seed overall. Thank you. Our stat man, Scotty, always on that with the numbers just locked into that brain of his. Um, the Green Bay Packers, the last season, they looked really good. You know, Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP, uh, puts on an incredible display throughout the entirety of that season. Um, really cemented himself in this greatness. Now they had a bunch of crazy off off season, you know, is Aaron Rodgers going to leave? Are they going to trade him? They were adamant. They weren't going to trade him. They rework his contracts. And now he's staying there for this year, but next year he basically got the Brady deal where he can go. He can leave. He's free from green Bay after next year. But I love this question for our burning question for the green Bay Packers. The last season of Aaron Rodgers, if they do anything less 
than win a Super Bowl. So basically, if they win the Super Bowl, does Aaron Rodgers come back to Green Bay next season? Regardless, this is the last dance. You heard it here first. Maybe not first, but probably. <laughs> I mean, Devontae Adams tweeting out the last dance cover was was probably, yeah, that was probably the first. But this is like second. No, I, I, and I agree with you. I, I agree. I think it's done no matter what. I think even if they win, I think he's the one who's like, I could do this somewhere else. Yeah, but winning a oh, Super yeah. Bowl. I mean, think think about how impressive. Not, not to say it hasn't happened before. We saw it happen with KD. We've seen it happen with other guys. But winning a Super Bowl and then leaving the next year. It's not something we see happen in sports virtually ever. Now, if anyone was going to do it, Aaron Rodgers would be the guy. You know, a fun fact, I, I believe the last quarterback to start and win a Super Bowl that was not on the team the next year, but that was cut was uh, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. And Whoa. Yeah. That's a stat. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it's never like- happened in the NBA because the Warriors lost to the Raptors and then KD left. So, yeah. Thanks a lot. You're yeah. Welcome, but anyway, you want, no, you I, want to, enough. To, Shut up. to your point, I, I think that like, um, you know, we, we can definitely look at this year and see how great they do, but uh, maybe, maybe a Super Bowl fixes it maybe, but like, I think anything short, which I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl. So if they go to the NFC championship or even make it there and lose, I think he's out. I just, I, 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 in my core, I agree because of how, nasty the relationship has been for Aaron Rodgers and them and also the the clock that's kind of running on Aaron Rodgers in terms of father time but that would be shocking winning a Super Bowl as Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers for that franchise and then leaving the next year I mean again Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys who it's like I wouldn't be shocked if he did that just would be surprising and that's why it's the burning question because yeah. I think we all anticipate that Aaron Rodgers is going to move on next year. But if you win a Super Bowl, that makes that decision a lot harder. Um, I expect the defense in Green Bay to be pretty good. Not elite, but pretty good. Uh, kind of like they were the last couple of years. You have Aaron Jones. You had Devontae Adams. They brought in Randall Cobb, which I don't really know what that gives you at this point, other than the chemistry between him and Rodgers from years past. But that was like a big, like, you know, it was on his rider, basically, you know, like a band comes in and give me only brown M&Ms or whatever, you know, a, I forget, I think it was Van Halen. There was a band that did that one time just to test how wild they could be in their rider. <laughs> his rider to come back to Green Bay was bring me Randall Cobb. Um, all in all, I expect this team to look very similar to the way they did last year, because to me, like if there's a quarterback who's not going to get distracted from all this outside shit and is still going to be able to perform at an extremely high level, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, right? If they do win the Super Bowl this year or make a deep run, it's going to be because Aaron Rodgers wants to. It's not going to be because of anyone else. It's not going to be Lafleur. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be the guys on defense. It's not going to be Aaron Jones having what might be an MVP year. Uh, ooh, check that take. Uh, yeah, but Jesus. it's it's going to be Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers does because he wants to do it. And it's, it's not going to be about the Packers. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl. That will be the narrative. It's going to be, I mean, look, they sell yeah. Jair Alexander on the outside. They sell Zadarius Smith. Like they have a lot of guys that, that make you feel good. Adrian Amos. 
and they drafted Eric Stokes in the first round, um, which upset a lot of people, including Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if that secondary, if that pick hits and that secondary is there, I have a hard time thinking there's going to be a better team in the NFC than the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. But you're right. It, yeah. all, it also is always, it's going to come down to how invested Aaron Rodgers is. But when you look at the clock and how much time does Aaron Rodgers have left, how does Aaron Rodgers not look at that and go, I need to, I need to make the most of this. Well, and the, the one guy that's been around him on the offensive line for years and years, David Bakhtiari, mm-hmm. uh, is coming back from an ACL injury uh, and there's no timetable for his return. Who knows when he's going to be back, but that's, that's a huge loss on the offensive line uh, for, uh, for, well, for the whole team, but for Rogers in particular, that's his blind side. But uh, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a tough one, but you know, I, I think their defense will keep them in a lot of games. This division is weak. They're going to win the division by week 12. Like it's, yeah. it's a wrap. Um, mm-hmm. So so, I, I mean, I, the narrative has to be about Aaron Rodgers. If you're, if you're a Packers fan, I can understand if you're a Packers player or someone in the, in the front office that, oh, no, this is our team. No, it's Aaron Rodgers' team and everyone else. Yeah, I love the running back room. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I expect to have a big year here uh, in year number two. And then they drafted a kid out of uh, uh, Mississippi State, Kylan Hill who, you know, only got the Mississippi State flag changed because of, you know, they had the Confederate flag still on it. And, I mean, this, I, I again, like, I don't know, it's nothing to do with football, but I just, I, I'm rooting for the kid. Like, I can't say anything else. Yeah. He also is a mm-hmm. weapon, and Mississippi State and Mike Leach used him, uh, well, I should say before, um, I think it was Joe Moorhead, or who, who was that Mississippi State before Mike Leach was there. Uh, you know, they used him a lot. So, Kylan Hill has some stuff to offer. Um, I have the Green Bay Packers going 14 and three. I think they are the number one seed in the NFC, and I think they end up uh, making a legitimate run towards the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I have them right around there. Uh, 13 and four, 14 and three. You can go either way. That schedule is tough. They still they got to play at New Orleans. They play Pittsburgh. They play at San Francisco. They play Washington. Who's probably going to win their division? They're at Kansas City. They got Seattle as well. They're at Baltimore. They play Cleveland. So that's a tough schedule. And their bye week is week 13. That's the only reason. One of those games, I think there's a plus minus of one or two. 13. I got them at 13 and four. I'm going to go 14 3. 14 3. So we're all on board. I think we all think the Packers are going to do well there. Uh, next mm-hmm. team in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears. Uh, and a, a lot of people might be expecting Minnesota to be here, but I think the Justin Fields question alone is, is what brings them to this point. And so my, my burning question to you guys is does Justin Fields save Matt Nagy's job? Is Justin oh, Fields yeah. good enough to save Matt Nagy's job? Cause I still don't think Matt Nagy is the guy at the end of the day, but will Justin Fields be good enough to save uh, whenever we get a chance to see him start full time, which I feel like Nagy alone might just wait until like week 10 and fuck that whole thing up. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do think I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Cause Vito, you are yeah. the number one Justin Fields guy on this podcast. That's Vito's guy. Yeah. Oh, I love him, man. I love him. He, he, without a doubt is going to save the job. And I think Nagy might pull what you're talking about though. I think he might hold him for a while. And then at the end, maybe, maybe he has like a, five and four record with fields to finish out the year shows some spark. And they're like, all right, we got to give him another shot or maybe they call it quits then. But I, I do think that uh, we will see fields a lot this season. I think we, I mean, 
we're going to have to. And I think he's the, um, barring injury, I think he's the savior of, of Nagy's job. I, I, he's uh, starting week one. <laughs> I don't think he is. I, I don't think, I don't think we yeah. see him. I don't think we see him until late. And I think we should see him week one or at least within the first few weeks of the season, but I don't think we will. I think he shows enough that he is the guy that they made the right decision. Uh, but I, I think ultimately bears ownership is not afraid to fire coaches if they don't like them. And I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on thin ice right now. And I think ultimately Justin Fields, despite proving that he is what we want him to be, will not be able to save Matt Nagy's job because of something like waiting until week 10 to, to have him be the full-time starter. What is interesting in that dynamic is their receiver room is pretty talented. It's an exciting, and that was the next thing I had on my list was how exciting. I mean, yeah. Alan Robinson, Darnell Mooney's been turning a lot of heads in camp. Um, Marquise Goodwin signed Cole with them in the offseason. Tight end. Niner, Cole Komet. Yeah. Jimmy Graham's still on the team. Jesse we, James is your third tight end. How about that? What do we see out of David Montgomery in the backfield? I think there's a lot yeah. to be excited about, but I also. Who knows when Tariq Cohen's coming back? I don't know. I, I think Andy Dalton's one of those quarterbacks too, who will probably win enough games or be good enough where that decision just gets pushed back later and later. Uh, I have the bears going five and 12, five and 12 in the AFC North. I think think over, over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on it. Five and 12. All right. Uh, they don't excite me other than Justin Fields. That's yeah. I I think that's enough though. I think that's enough to win you at least five games there. And I think they get one or two other when Justin Fields pops up on red zone, we're all going to turn the, one of our TVs to that channel and we're all going to watch him play. Like that's, I think, I think that alone is going to be that thing where we we kind of buy into the Justin Fields hype. Um, the next team on the list is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this is the last year of, um, you know, what we would think would be the Kirk cousins, opportunity branch but my question again lies more with the coaches in that do we see a fixed minnesota defense because the offense wasn't the problem with minnesota last year it was seeing mike zimmer have an uncharacteristically uh porous defense you like that word porous yeah i, I got porous. it I, yeah nice. i got a i got a thesaurus oh a porous webster huh? <laughs> um but no, this that defense gave up a lot, and that is uncharacteristic for Mike Zimmer. They drafted an offensive lineman in the first round, who I think will help a lot. Um, but I have uh, right now confidence in the offense, somewhat confidence in the defense, only in that I don't see Mike Zimmer having back-to-back years with as bad of a defense as we saw in 2020. I agree with you 100%. I think that's why he brought in Patrick Peterson. to like Just like, listen, I need a veteran guy back there who's done this, who's not going to be stupid, and just like we'll play football out the right way. We'll be a leader on the team on the defensive side. Let's just lock it back down. We know what we're doing here. We have our leader. Then let the offense score its points. I mean, they have enough weapons. They, they're they going to be fine like you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and he also signed Bashad Breeland too. So that secondary is like short up. Should be really good. At least good. from a starter's perspective, yeah. Yeah, and the offense is going to be great. I mean, it'll be interesting to see Justin Jefferson in year number two. Uh, if Adam Thielen, who has been nothing but productive his entire career, is going to continue that trajectory. And the, the last little caveat is we've seen, and I don't wish this on Dalvin Cook, but you know we've seen him get banged up in the past. And we've also seen a lot of running backs who are uh, you know, very talented guys who, who make a difference when they step onto the field but who kind of crash into these uh, injuries late, you know, at certain points kind of throughout the season. And, and I hope that doesn't happen, but given the wear and tear and his history, 
him staying healthy is going to be vital for this team. I have them going 11 and six. Ooh, originally, I originally on... had 10 and seven. So I'm at like 10 and a half is like where my brain is at with them. I'm on, I'm on the under, I'm going to bake on a big injury with one of the big three guys, uh, cook Jefferson or, uh, or Thielen and uh and cousins is probably going to get covid 64 times during the year so uh i'm going to go with um i'm going to go eight and nine uh you know no nine and eight just because that division's weak nine and eight there we go i'm going under i think 10 wins though i think you were right like 10 and seven is where i'm I'm thinking about them because of the fact that they do have the offense and there's a enough of the defense they're not too far removed from it they can put together a good season and make the make the wild card I wrote down 10 and seven and then kind of talked myself out of it as we were going through this, because I, just, I, I trust the defense. I, I like the secondary. They have some good pieces on the D line, but. It's, oh, you're it's, talking it's, me out of it. I mean, it's going to be the health. They've got a wicked stretch too in November. They got at Baltimore at the chargers, green Bay Niners. And then two weeks later, they got Pittsburgh. Then I I'm would going say, over, I would say hit seven. me with the 11. You're going to go with the 11. 11. Going, we'll going say 10 even. and seven yeah. is our mark. We'll say 10 and seven is our mark. And I'm going over. I, I think Vito and I, but I'm at like 10 and a half is like dead on where I'm at right now. I, I can't decide. I'm gonna sneak that. that extra freaking game in these schedules. Um, last team, not a whole lot to talk about uh, with the Detroit Lions, but I will say, let's fucking go, Dan Campbell. That's the question. There's no question. It's just let's fucking go, Man Dan Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> uh, I am so excited to watch Dan Campbell just walk, patrolling the sidelines, looking for kneecaps to bite. You know, look, look, <laughs> looking to make his imprint on this team. Um, I, I don't really have a question on them other than that, that, you know, how bad are they going to be? I, I don't expect them to do well. But again, these old school football guys can sometimes get the most out of them. They're in a full rebuild mode. Uh, so for me, the two things I'm looking for with these guys are I'm excited to watch Jeff Akuda in year number two, the cornerback out of Ohio State, taking third overall, has the chance to be a legitimate number one top five cornerback in the NFL, had a good first year, was a little banged up. Uh, and then this year's first-round draft pick, Penny Sewell. Uh, we, we talk so much about Penny Sewell. I love, mm-hmm. love watching offensive line play, and I want to see if this guy's going to be the real deal or not. So they will not be a team that is ever featured on my main TV, uh, when I'm watching it, but when they pop up on red zone or when I'm looking back throughout the week and kind of watching film, I'm excited to see, you know, what Penny Sewell looks like. They're getting a chance to start at left tackle. And I like Jared Goff. So I just, I want him to stay in one piece. So let's just try to protect Jared Goff as much as we can. I, nothing about them excites me, including yeah. DeAndre Swift. Uh, I, it, Poor DeAndre Swift, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's a bummer because I I had him I drafted him last year and it was <laughs> you traded him right before he went well he got traded him right before he went bonkers exactly yeah uh, oh Scott they're they're, they're in Be- full rebuild man full rebuild and look at the schedule they open their their first three games are San San Francisco at Green Bay and Baltimore their bye week is halfway through and then they're at Cleveland or at Pittsburgh and at Cleveland at, out of the bye like yeah. Jesus. That's murderous. I don't. I mean, the, we should do over unders on the the amount of wins they're going to have in the first and second half because I think it's probably two on either side. Oh, I think under. <laughs> <laughs> Vito, you got anything to add here with uh, with the Detroit Lions? Yeah, I can't imagine what the hell Jared Goff is going to think he can do that Stafford couldn't. And I think we talked about we led with that a little bit on he the knows. West. So, he so knows. I, 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 
I hope he doesn't. I hope he's really optimistic and he thinks he's going to go sling it and crush it just for a mentality sake. Cause I think it's gonna be a long season for these lions players. And I'm, I'm a little worried about what's going to, what can happen with a good coach who's starting off, but just there's the wins aren't there yet, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm a little worried about that, but hopefully you're right. I, I love the coach. Can't wait to see him bite on some kneecaps this fall. He's like the coach equivalent of Jameis Winston, right? Whether it's good or bad, we're all going to love watching it the entire time. Um, I have Detroit going three and 14. Any comeuppance I, with that? I would take the under truthfully. Just, I think they'll win a couple games just off of, off of Dan Campbell adrenaline alone. Oh man. Yeah. I, I'm going to go even, I'm going to go even. I don't think because of the extra game, I don't think we have a winless team this year, by the way. No. no. And it's, it's rare to have a it two is. or a one win team, even like most years yeah. we have it like the number one overall pick is usually around that, like three and 13 kind of mark or maybe two and 14, especially now with that extra game, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how it goes. I think they project to be probably the worst team in the NFL. Um, but I hope, I hope not. I mean, they have a ton of draft capital. They got stuff down the line. And, and again, Dan Campbell is the head coach equivalent of James Winston. Whether it's good or bad, <laughs> we're going to love every second of it. Um, that is all we have. Long pod today. want to thank Scotty and Vito for joining us. Uh, we will be back again, like I said, Tuesday, Friday. That's when our pods will be coming out. Um, thank you all for listening. We are back. Uh, and, and amazingly enough, I want to say this too for anyone who lasted this far, uh, our, number, our numbers on the last pods and stuff we did like uh, you know about a month ago didn't really dip. You know, we still had really the last one we did with Vito and I was uh, one of our highest rated shows that we've done. So um, just want to say thank you again to anyone who listens. We will be back yeah. on a much more Thanks. regular basic uh, basis. And uh, we look forward to bringing you guys more and more contacts. So boys, thank you both. And we'll be back on Friday with another edition of Read Option. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>